we hugged for like what, like five to eight minutes. Yeah, just standing there and just not moving and moment. just hugging and being and together. It's, it's it was normal for me, but not for Sarah, mm-hmm. and which I didn't know at the time. Mm-hmm. And so we're just hugging. And I'm like, great. Hey, by the way, I want to share something with you. You know, I saw you know this this wolf come out, and then it faded back, and it growled at me, and then it came. This face came back, and and uh, and it showed me this half of face, and then she just. St- stands there with no facial expression and then she like walks over to her journal and opens up her journal and goes is this what you saw and then like i'm getting chills thinking about it again and Mm -hmm. she's like yep that's my spirit guide i've never told anyone about that i'm like yeah okay cool welcome to living 4d with paul check today paul is talking with sarah gustafson and alex rubchinski Sarah is a corrective exercise coach, holistic nutritionist, Czech practitioner, and the creator of the Czech Institute's course, Holistic Health and Performance for Women. Alex is a master Czech practitioner and one of the Czech faculty. He works with celebrities and professional athletes in rehabilitation, injury prevention, and enhancing physical performance through the balance and optimization of home field energy systems. In their online programs and one-to-one therapy, Sarah and Alex draw from an extensive background in exercise science and kinesiology, holistic nutrition, metaphysical and somatic psychology, neurosomatic therapy, as well as integrative transformational therapy. They offer mentorship and personal training for one-to-one, groups and couples seeking to embrace the unseen, repressed aspects of self as a pathway to health, fitness, happiness and healing. As a teacher of holistic health, my teachings require that once my students reach Holistic Lifestyle Coach Level 2, our professional training, they learn to both use their minds effectively, holistically, and confront any self-limiting belief systems they may carry. When they arrive for Holistic Lifestyle Coach Level 3, our advanced Holistic Lifestyle Coaching program, I inform students that I will not filter my awareness and will be honest with them whenever I see that they are speaking or acting in ways that are incongruent with the teachings they are committed to mastering as a Holistic Lifestyle Coach professional. As you will hear Sarah describe in this interview, which is not at all uncommon, she really did not like me when she first started training with me, but grew in time to realize that I was actually being very honest with her and that her dislike of me was a shadow reaction to not stepping into her own potential. Sarah, newly wed to Alex Rybczynski at Czech Level 4, met Alex in HLC2 training, and that meeting sparked a soul journey for both of them that was in no means an easy path of union, but has become a gift of healing to countless people. Alex is a Czech Level 4 practitioner and an HLC3. He is highly skilled and respected for his work in a wide variety of areas and with a wide variety of client types, ranging from elite athletes to movie stars to those with all sorts of different body-mind challenges. In the past year, they found their dream home and location in Austin, Texas. They have five beautiful acres, built a beautiful gym and office space, have a guest house, and bring individuals and groups in for a variety of healing experiences. Alex also runs men's groups to help men find themselves, their souls, and heal from the common challenges of being a man in our culture today. I wanted to share a podcast with both of them, not only because they're excellent at what they do as Czech professionals, but because as their coach for over two years, I helped them work through, process, and learn a lot about themselves, love, life, and each other. I've witnessed a degree of transformation seldom experienced by most people in various forms of counseling and healing work, 
and I'm very proud of both of them for the depth and the magnitude of their commitment to themselves, each other, their family, and the world. In this podcast, some of the issues that Sarah, Alex, and I explore are how Alex and Sarah met, the firewalk of relationship, balancing time and energies of personal growth and relationship growth, their lovely five-acre healing sanctuary, and their dreams for their family, business, and their offerings to the world, their perspective on what they feel the world needs right now, what they would each leave as a parting message for the world if they knew they were going to die tomorrow. I hope you enjoy this honest, insightful dialogue with Alex and Sarah Ribchinsky. Welcome to Living 4D with Paul Check. Today, I have two of my longest-running students, or at least way up there in the totem pole of being brave enough to be in my presence and get tortured by me. <laughs> and that is Sarah Gustafson and Alex Ribchinsky. Sarah has done a podcast with me before on women's health and the new course she put together for the Czech Institute. So if you haven't heard that and you're interested in a really excellent approach to understanding the difference between men and women and why we need to have more focus on the female for effective conditioning and understanding their psychology and their archetypes and very many very useful things for any kind of healthcare professional or individual that wants to really understand women better, that's a great podcast to listen to. Alex, you began training with me in the Institute how long ago? 2010. 2010, and Sarah, for you? 2009. So 11 years ago. Well, a lot's happened in that time, huh? Oh, yeah. So Alex Ribchinsky is a level four practitioner. He uh, does work as an instructor for the Institute. You're in training for, Mm -hmm. for which? IMS-1. IMS-1, and you already have done some teaching with the Institute, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, and you and Alex and Sarah both teach classes and workshops on their own. And are you guys still teaching through the university? Yes. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. what's the class that you teach at the university? I forgot. Well, they have us do various uh, different uh, courses that are specialty, like uh, workshops and courses for kinesiology, health, and... Um, uh, nursing uh, majors. Oh, good. Yeah. Well, it's amazing that a university is open-minded enough to let you guys come teach holistic well, education. Well, their their uh, their faculty knew knows you, and they they yeah. learned how to eat, move, and be healthy. And they looked out for a they um, found a Czech practitioner, and I was the highest ranked one. And it just kind of they hired us. Yeah, well, that's cool. Yeah, so thanks to your book, we have uh, some extra jobs there. <laughs> my, my my book's like like Lao Tzu's definition of water. It finds its way through the cracks and the muck, reaches the lowest level and the highest level, <laughs> which yeah. is cool. So, you know, I wanted to do a podcast with the two of you because, one, I've probably spent more intimate time with the two of you than I have most people that have worked with me even a lot of the instructors, because I've coached both of you privately um, Mm -hmm. for your own growth, development, healing, relationship work. And uh, and you've continued on doing some coaching with Angie as well. And so, you know, she's a whole wealth of experience. And as a shaman, she has some unique approaches. So I'm always 
giggling whenever she's coaching you because she loves it so much. And she's like, oh, yes, I love talking to Sarah. And I'm like, yes, she has a very powerful mind. She can take you on a lot of journeys. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So also can Angie. Yes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And so um, I thought what I'd like to do is start our exploration because really what I want to share in the podcast for the listeners today is a lot about the challenges of life and surprise changes, you know, the unexpected and what it takes to really grow through our past conditioning into a healthy relationship and how that can become a place of harmony and also look at the reality that there is no point in the development of a relationship where all of a sudden everything just works and you don't have to do the work of a relationship mm-hmm. anymore. You know, a lot <laughs> of people sort of have this kind of childlike notion that, oh, if I take a couple of courses and do this and do that or whatever, then, then, I, then I'm enlightened forever and I'll live happily ever after and everybody's going to love me and, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of sort of unreal yeah, well, it was you, I think, that told me this quote. If you're looking for God in the holy, then you're missing half the story. So you find God in the holy and the heathen. <laughs> yeah, I didn't give you that quote, but it's true. <laughs> I swear that was something. I write quotes down all the time, but I just assume it's you that <laughs> said it at <laughs> well, some point. <laughs> I have a lot of quotes, but somebody else was the genius of that one. So, uh, Well, you may have shared it with me because I remember writing it in our notes. But it, it's possible, you know, I'm, I'm sometimes, you know, I'm studying all the time, so I may have mm-hmm. read something that morning and just found a perfect place to repeat it because it fit there, you know? Yeah. And then another good one is the devil you know is better than the devil you don't. Amen. And that's definitely one that I'm <laughs> well known to share because it's <laughs> extremely true, as you know. So I, I think, you know, the goal is to help everybody listening uh, get a sense of what it takes to have a real relationship, the transitions that life brings, the unexpected surprises from divorces to kids to money to, you know, all of it, right? Mm-hmm. And then um, ultimately what happens when you bring yourself into harmony, have a common vision, mission, goals, and then you create what we'll discuss later, which is where we're at now. We're at their uh, sanctuary. They, Alex calls it, or they both call it the sanctuary, in Austin, Texas, and it's Tex- Austin's about the only place in Texas that I'll uh, I'll go to in Texas because I don't really enjoy uh, the vibe in most of the cities in Texas. I, but I do feel like Texas somehow managed to create a healing seed called Austin, which is as close to San Diego as you can get. I think really the vibe of mm-hmm. Austin is very San Diego. Well, in the '60s and '70s, a lot of the hippies from San Francisco came down here and they just established the whole uh that our motto is keep austin weird yeah and that was from a lot of uh san francisco transplants and austin has a very uh long music history Mm -hmm. as well um i watched a documentary on the history of music in austin and it's they've had everybody and their dog come through here and uh also we most of us know austin's got quite a uh 
psychedelic culture that's alive and well, which is kind of the antithesis of, you know, the, mm-hmm. the Texas Ranger. He's, he gets stoned here and yeah. parties and dances yeah. and makes love to women and then goes, puts his badge on and goes to Dallas and Fort Worth and, uh, you know, uh, you know, Houston and has to come back to Austin to regain touch with reality, I think. So to begin with, let's start from where you guys met. I mean, I, of course, I know about it. I was there, but um, why don't we start from where you were at when you came to the point at which you met so we can get a sense for what were you bringing into mm. the relationship you didn't know you were about to have. So, Sarah, why don't you it tell was, us who was Sarah when she showed up at HLC, was it three? Or? HLC three, yeah, yeah. October 2014. So. Which HLC three is my HLC do not bullshit the teacher class. Yeah. It's and well actually six years ago today. Oh, is that right? Is yeah. When HLC three was taking place. I think d- today would be day two, but it was six years ago. Well yeah. that's um that's almost a year for each chakra, but it's also almost one chakra cycle, but boy has a lot gone on for you guys in six years. Uh yeah. Yeah, it's hard to think it would be just one cycle. It's a lot. And that's not true. You Every time I, you taught me, it was a no bullshit, the teacher <laughs> class. <laughs> you called me out so much. But yeah, so in HLC3, uh, six years ago, I was a married mom of two girls. I still have those girls. They're still here. <laughs> but at that time, it was just me and the girls, and I was... Um, the uh, director of Paleo FX conference and also running my own practice. And so um, my whole mission in life was just be a good mom and, and serve the world. And I was so focused on that. And by that time, my um, husband at the time and I had already kind of started drifting apart. We were having a hard time connecting. He's not into the holistic stuff at all. Um, And, so coming out to HLC3 took a lot of courage for me because he thought you were leading a cult and he was mm. really upset. And um, But I was excited and I was also very um, rigid. And, you know, I arrive and there's, you know, a lot of guys, you know, in the sun with the shirts off and people doing Tai Chi and I'm over here with my highlighters making sure I read all the stuff and I have everything in my brain in case you call on me and just very, um, very serious student and uh, very kind of standoffish to other people mm-hmm. like this one as well. Mm, that didn't work very well. No. You know, and so obviously uh, your life changed pretty radically because that yeah. six-day course triggered off quite a lot of changes in your life, some of them, you know, a real firewalk to get through. Where were you at, Alex, when you arrived? Uh, you're, you know, you're, there's a quite an age difference between you two, isn't there? I'm eight years older. Eight years older, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's not terrible, but it's, it's enough to cause problems in a lot of relationships mm-hmm. if you don't work on the gap. Mm-hmm. Because ha- having Alex in my classes he was a much younger person than you are mature yeah. maturity wise at that time he's growing up now so 
<laughs> with a little fr- fire from <laughs> from Paul, but uh, it's all good. But you know, you were—I know you were a neuromuscular therapist because you'd worked on me, and you were doing neuromuscular therapy work for people. So, where, where, what was, who was Alex when he showed up at HLC three? I felt like I was grounded, but <laughs> not even close. Um, I was just doing uh, NST training, coaching. I had my own practice, and that's pretty much all I focused on. And um, meeting lots of women—that's mm-hmm. pretty much my focus. And then, since I broke up with my ex-girlfriend previously, I think uh, two years before I went, I went to HLC three. I moved back in at home, and so all I did was focus on learning, getting, growing the business, playing volleyball, and meeting women. And with I always had this good intention of like, I, this one might be the one. This mm-hmm. one might be the one. This one, and then, and then the I one sh- I get to sleep with tonight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, how old were you at that time in HLC three? You were only like nineteen, weren't you? No, in HLC three, twenty six. Twenty six. Okay. Yeah. All right. I can't remember. Maybe my time's warping here. You were nineteen when you started, Chuck. Right? It was about that. It was 20. I was 20, 20 when yeah. I started. And That's then probably what I'm thinking about. Got the prerequisites and then 21 started actually taking the courses. Okay. All right. So good. Now let's get to the juicy part of the plot twist here. Yeah. A married woman mm-hmm. who's Miss Goody Two Shoes and I was looking around at all these studs with their shirts off doing yep. Tai Chi and wondering what the hell's wrong with these people. Why are they so loose and so on ends up here now <laughs> yeah right a big flamey divorce and lots of pain mm-hmm. so uh what happened uh for you guys in that course that brought you all the way to this beautiful place with five acres and your own child between you and mm-hmm. quite a radical transition it was like being put in a in the washer dryer like in the wash like high spin cycle because mm-hmm. at HLC three I don't think I realized what was going on to me I I was definitely feeling like okay I'm not living in my truth that was like a big theme of mm-hmm. HLC three and but when Alex and I met there was just this really a kind of um, connection that I had never had with anybody before. And my ego just wanted to explain it away. Mm. And I would frustrate myself and upset myself by making judgments. Mm. So he's just another shirtless bro, peacocking himself around, trying to show off and, you know, flirt with girls. I kept just, just regurgitating a story to override these these feelings of this strange connection I had to him because I'd see him you know just like walking around and he had bad habits <laughs> he's just <laughs> eating with his hands no utensils and getting shit in his beard and just like an ape and I was like <laughs> why why do I feel so connected to that human being over there Na- like the naked ape <laughs> right it, and and for him he thought I was kind of snooty because, you know, he's like, hey, <laughs> um, I'm, or I walked up to you. I was like, hey, I'm Sarah. And you're like, I know. We've been friends on Facebook for like a year. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, he's weird. So it, I just couldn't explain away this connection 
that we had. So I tried to say in my head, okay, you know, I'm, I'm married, I'm a mom, I, you know, it's not that. Um, so I, I was like, he's like a little brother to me. So I was like, that would make me feel better to say that. And then Elliot Hulse came up to us. He's like, man, there's a lot of sexual energy between you two. We're <laughs> like, ooh, no, ooh, no, not at all. And <laughs> just trying to just completely wipe that story out of my being. As most of you listening to my podcast are aware, food can heal you, energize you, support your immune system, enhance sleep quality, or it can disintegrate you, stop you from sleeping and feeling well, poison you, and be the basis from which diseases emerge. In her excellent book, Oneness Versus the 1%, Vandana Shiva suggests that 50% of the greenhouse gas emissions result from commercial farming and like many of the great authors I've studied, warns of the worldwide dangers to the planet and all of us created by commercial farming, excessive use of dangerous chemicals that have serious consequences for our health, the health of nature, and the planet as a whole. We are living in a time when government is no longer an organization for the people, by the people, but is a corporate headquarters from which the super-rich people of the world use money to bend laws remove laws that protect us in nature, and implement policies and practices that fill their pockets with money while at once diminishing our health, freedom, and destroying nature. The only vote we really have in a corporatocracy is how we spend our money. If we don't feed dangerous corporations, they die out or start conforming to our needs as informed consumers. That's why I'm a big fan of Organifi. Organifi uses certified organic ingredients in all their products, which range from superfood drinks to high-quality protein powders, to supplements that support joint, gut, and immune health. My family and I love Organifi's products and use them every day, and I know you will love the taste, quality, and ease of use. Take a few minutes to head over to Organifi.com, that's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com, and vote for the planet each day by buying real food from real farmers that support the earth and all of us. On checkout, use your Living 4D discount code, capital C, capital H, capital E, capital K, 20. That's CHECK20 in all caps to get your 20% discount on any of their amazing products. Enjoy Organifi. After HLC3, I went back home and we moved into this house we'd been building for a couple years and my focus was just my kids. But within a few weeks of us moving into that house, um, my husband at the time asked for a divorce. And it, it was just, he was very clear that something in me had changed at HLC3. And it wasn't just Alex. It was me. I was really focused on being honest mm. in my life. And also the way I parent my girls. And it was making him so uncomfortable that within a few weeks, he's like, yeah, I'm, you know, I tried. I'm done. And um, so that was traumatic because I think I was in denial about it, um, thinking like, oh, he always says that when he's stressed out. But he wanted it done, and he wanted it done very quick before the new year. So by right a few days before Christmas, so between October and December 23rd, like we got everything out of the way. We were divorced, and then I was moving again. So I was having a lot of stuff going on in my personal life, but we kept in touch, and um, it was just... I didn't share a lot of what I was going through with him because I just felt he's in Chicago and I'm here and we have totally different lives. But it was so nice for us to connect with each other because it was very clear we have the same goals, the same 
kind of mission in life and the same principles and values. And it was, it felt so good for me to practice being in my truth, talking to someone who shared those same Mm -hmm. truths. And it felt like for the first time I could share myself openly, you know, instead of, you know, hiding my books when somebody came by or, you know, I could talk about dreams and, and mythology and all of these things without, okay, you're a weirdo. So it was just, he, he felt like, um, my truth maker. (laughs) Well, you know, I'm, I must be confused about one part of the story, which you can straighten me out. When did you get pregnant? In April, the following April. So HLC was in October, 2014. I got pregnant in April, 2015. Oh, okay. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, that's the part I was confused upon because I thought maybe you'd gotten pregnant when you guys met at HLC. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. So no. It, it was later that you guys came yeah. together. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, and just, just to elaborate, I mean, there were so many, when you were asking what happened at HLC 3, there was just so many little, like, bombs that went off that yeah. were just, what is happening? Mm-hmm. I don't, like, when we when we hugged, and Sarah's not a huggy person at the time. Now she's better, but a little better. Yeah. I'm a little better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe she has English genes that mm-hmm. she hasn't identified yet. Tw- well, tw- huggy 12%. with strangers. Hug- huggy with strangers. How about that? Yeah. Okay. yeah. And and, uh, and so pulling out, and then all of a sudden we hugged for like what, like five to eight minutes. Yeah, just standing there and just not moving and moment. just hugging and being and together. It's, it's it was normal for me, but not for Sarah, mm-hmm. which I didn't know at the time. Mm-hmm. And so we're just hugging. I'm like, great. Hey, by the way, I want to share something with you. You know, I saw, you know, this, this wolf come out and then it faded back and it growled at me. And then it came, this face came back and, and, uh, and it showed me this half of face. And then she just stands there with no facial expression. And then she like walks over to her journal and opens up her journal and goes, is this what you saw? And then like, I'm getting chills thinking about it again. And she's like, yep, that's my spirit guide. I've never told anyone about that. And I'm like, yeah, okay, cool. And then, and then we would do things like we would know where each other were around, uh, HL, uh, around the, the compound that we were staying at. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And See, now you're making it sound like a cult. <laughs> <laughs> the compound. What's, what's a different word? <laughs> well, you know, no, no, the no. retreat. The retreat. Yeah. It was. It was a retreat. It was a retreat. Yeah. yeah. It was a retreat. Yeah. I'm, I'm accused of running a cult so often by small yeah. minds. I'm like, well. <laughs> this is what I usually say to these people. I say, first of all, if I'm running a cult, I'm doing one shitty ass job of it. Pretty Be- terrible. Because cult leaders brainwash people into being controlled by them, and I am actually encouraging people to take responsibility for their own lives. Yeah. And be honest in their relationships and go out and do something productive in the world. And mm-hmm. I, as a teacher, don't consider my job done until you don't need me anymore. I'm trying to train you not to need me by giving you all the knowledge I can give you so that you don't have to have mommy and daddy figures outside of your own mother and father. And you can even put them in the right context in your life. So I always say, look, if I'm a cult leader, then I am really lousy at it. You shouldn't even give me the credit of being a yeah. cult leader. <laughs> yeah. Well, teaching people to think for themselves, I think, upsets those in their life. Yeah. Like, I don't want her, him thinking for himself and being more true. And, and I want the old 
person back. I want the controllable That must Sarah. be a cult. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I want that, the controllable I, I, Sarah. I had a client yep. too that I'm going to leave names out, but I had a client that came in and I first met with them and then they uh, left and they're like, hey, can I bring my brother? I'm like, okay. And so we have these deep philosophical conversations. And so he brought him back and then he sat with them. And later, like a week or two later, he told me, he was like, I, you know, I have to confess, I brought my brother because I've been brainwashed by some of these other religious organizations. And I had to bring him in here because I couldn't wrap my mind around why these other organizations tell me what to believe. And you're telling me to follow my dream. And it just doesn't make sense to me, but it's so convincing. <laughs> and I just, I didn't know how to react to that. And I was like, yeah, because you're supposed to live your dream. Do what you're supposed to do. Yeah, or what, what you, what your soul, soul is, is expressing, right? Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes we don't know what we're supposed to do, but we should be wise enough to know what we love to do. Even if you don't know what your dream is, you, we all know when we're working for money and hate it. We all know when we're doing things that go against our inner voice and it says, why are you doing this? Mm -hmm. You know, it's not fulfilling, whether it be relationships or jobs or studies, right? If we just listen to our own higher self, which is talking all the time in there, but most people are too busy worrying about what everybody else thinks to be themselves, yeah. which is what really leads to a lot of the problems. But uh, okay, so that, that answered that. That's good to know um, just because now I have my own inner story straight. And so what were the uh, sort of um, initial experiences that you guys had once you came together? Yeah, well, so yeah, I guess in a short summary, what came into the relationship was I was still in my... Um, wild woman, very much repressed, angry, feminist type of personality and, and character. And Alex was sort of the womanizing mm -hmm. bro who was a bachelor character. So it was like, not, it didn't make sense that we connected the way we did. You forgot but childish. The, I didn't want to say that, but... <laughs> Because you'll always be childish to me because I'm, I'm your senior. Irresponsible, how's that? Yeah. Um, but thing, yeah, things just kept happening, like unprovoked, um, unintentional, just out of nowhere, like visions and thoughts. And, um, you know, even when he was in Chicago, I was in Austin. Um, I had like one of my only second astral um, experiences being with him. And, and the two of us joining together and um, 1,200, 1,700 miles apart. And that it was just so profound. And these are all these kinds of experiences that I was having were, were things that I, I could have on my own. But again, I, I would hide them and like not tell them or share. And they were just a lot of breadcrumbs. Yeah. Like I've never done this with someone else. Breadcrumb. Yeah. Now in retrospect, they're real. I realized they were breadcrumbs. But in the moment, you're, I was just thinking, this is new. This is interesting. This is exciting. I can't believe this is this has never happened with anyone else. And then this has never happened with anyone else. And the, those experiences just kept happening, even until this day. Mm. I mean, j mm -hmm. just well, we've had we've had a past life that we've been slowly pulling out for the last three years, mm -hmm. and then finally we've healed up a part of that past life. We got untethered from it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just little things that I've never experienced before with anyone else. Well, you you can't unless they're willing to be open enough and explore what most people don't even think exists, right? Well, and the, that's true because, you know, going back to when I started 
with the Czech Institute, it was like same same thing with starting my relationship with Alex. It was how I re- started my relationship with you. Is I didn't like you, <laughs> and you annoyed You're not alone me, there. <laughs> and you triggered me, and you made me like have all these like feelings that was just like I ugh, ugh not the, ugh, this guy again. Ugh, he's talking about himself. Ugh. But your curriculum was absolutely you just can't. There's no way you can't argue what you're teaching ever to anyone. And it just was the only thing that made sense. So I, I started the Czech Institute. And then, of course, I was happy to learn like, oh, well, Paul Czech doesn't teach all the courses. But every single course I went to, he did. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> and it was learning. I knew I this is what I need to pursue. This is what I need to learn. This is right. For some reason, he keeps coming up. But you became my greatest teacher like my greatest teacher of my entire life. And then that's the same thing with Alex. Like he's, he has been, I mean, no offense, actually greater than you in terms of my teacher. <laughs> I hope so. You just had to convince me to keep letting him teach me. And I was just, <sighs> seriously? But he, it, it was the same thing. I would look at him and be like, ugh, why? Why am I here? Like, why, why does this happen? Why am I with this person He'd be, you know, over there like picking his nose or something or like letting his dog lick all over his face and all these. I'm just like, oh, come on. Why am I, you know, but there was, I could not deny it was just completely inarguable how connected I felt to him as a human being. And I would just see him do these things like when no one's looking Mm. and he didn't know anybody was looking like picking up trash like to the point where like he one time I was looking out the window and it was snowing in Chicago and he got the mail and piece fell into the snow and he was digging with no gloves on for like a good two minutes trying to find this little teeny piece of trash. No one's looking. And it was in those moments where I'm like, this is why, that's why. Mm. He's just a good person. But he's also, and I'm sure you're doing it for each other, but y- you know, your rigidity and your kind of, uh, Christian stiffness. Uh, he's the he's the complete fool, the the archetype of the fool. Let the dog kiss you, fart if you need to fart, but you know, uh, just be yourself and let the chips fall where they may. Where you know you came from a, an environment where you were, uh, I would say working very hard to fit into a cultural norm that was killing your soul. So he sort of embodies the freedom that ultimately your growth was to experience. And interestingly, you embody the order mm-hmm. and the, the shall we say, the methodology or the um, structure structure yeah that alex really needed to complete himself that's kind yeah. of the amazing you, you know you guys were like lock and key wherever you have a bump he has a pin uh, or a valley you have a valley he has a pin to fill it and wherever yeah. you have a bump he he can receive it thus the lock and key fit so it some of these things don't make sense to the ego you no, know, they don't no. because the ego's um, too conditioned to see the magic in front of it. So it often rejects its greatest medicine. But then that just makes God laugh. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> yeah. Okay. okay. You'll yeah. keep running into him. Yeah. <laughs> it is true. And I mean, like, I think I tried so many times. Well, not so many, but 
at least at least four times maybe five to just say like here's your pass you can go like just leave the it's such a mess here like why why are you wasting this great life you could have you know all the women you want all the freedom you want running your business the way you want like i will still love you there will be no love lost but i want you to just go and be happy quit you know because I, I would go between back and forth of like I'm judging him and I'm intolerant and I'm impatient and I'm, you know, <laughs> like because he is the embodiment of the child I didn't get to be. And Dang. it annoyed the shit out of me. It absolutely just annoyed the crap out of me. And and I just, I well, I didn't get to be that and I projected that onto him and I gave him so many outs and as frustrating it was at the time, he refused. He was like, I'm not going. We're supposed to be together. Yeah. You're the embodiment of what in Germany is called a power frau, <laughs> which is uh, a woman who's yeah. got balls, wears the pants, and, and kind of like the air traffic controller, sharp as, never misses a beat. Everything's organized. And if you dare challenge her, she'll bite your head off like Callie and spit you out. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, being, interacting with you, those qualities are very, very helpful, but they're kind of almost like the diametrically opposed to Alex's natural kind of free-wandering yeah. Johnny Appleseed, you know, smoke a joint, pick up some garbage, do some service for the world, but don't <laughs> lose yourself in the world. And you're like very deeply immersed in and really conquering, I would say, conquering the world where he was sort of um, the world itself, really unbridled, mm -hmm. more like a force of nature. You're more like a force of the intellect. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. It's very hard to get outside of my head, as you know. And it was when you gave me the, um, you told me to do a learning fast, and that was. You know, other than this relationship was one of the hardest things I ever did because it's just, it's my habit. I need mm -hmm. to gather data, information, facts. I want to learn new things. And then I want to second guess myself and test myself and challenge myself on what I do know and, and what about these things that antagonize that. Let's mm -hmm. look into that. Like, I'm it's just a constant journey of that all the time, but it was taking over me. And it was you that show, like was able to show me that, yeah, I'm a power frau. But underneath that is just a very fragile and sensitive, shaky little girl who has mm -hmm. needs. And it, even even to still today, it's very hard for me to admit that. And, and yeah, let but that you, you've in. done good. I mean, I have to, I have done. You good. know, I have to give myself a pat on the back. The thing too is is you know when you were in HLC three with me, you know, I've been a teacher for a very long time mm -hmm. and I've had a lot of students and I've been a therapist for 36 years now. So, you know, what you guys don't know sitting in front of me is what's looking at you. Mm -hmm. I, I'm kind of like, you know, one of my quotes is a shaman is somebody who's played every game you're playing and is much better at it than you are. Mm -hmm. So, it's like when our kids try to outsmart us, but they don't realize we tried all those tricks on mommy and daddy and we already know the tricks. So really we, funny. We, we know how many cookies are missing in the cookie jar, <laughs> even though we haven't even had to count yeah. them. We just know. And so, you know, 
in my own way for both of you, I was able to say, okay, what, what you're doing right now is not conducive to being a holistic health coach mm -hmm. because there's too many barriers in the way of you reaching your own wholeness. And for Alex, it was more, <laughs> get your shit together. <laughs> you're a smart guy, but you, you, you can't just forget appointments and how to balance your checkbook. And, you know, it's like people aren't going to come find you in the fucking Himalayas, man. You know, while you're out there hanging out with a deer. Um, so for me, uh, Sarah, I think what was triggering you is, is that um, you just, I think, partly is because you were going through a challenge with your husband at the time and to have another domineering male force in front of you that wasn't going to let you get away with what you were yeah. used to doing and didn't often realize you were doing because it's my job as the founder of the Institute to make sure, especially HLC3, because it's an advanced class, to make sure that the students go into the world authentically aligned with the values that the Czech Institute represents. And one of the things that drives me right frickin' batshit is people that talk the words mm -hmm. but don't realize a guy like me can see through that in a millisecond. Yeah. And so, you know, I could see you were very studied, but you were very intellectual. And a lot of it was mental um, memorization versus actually authentically eat, sleep, breathing, yeah. and shitting it. And so I, mm -hmm. my my whole thing for you was now that you're saying the words so well and you got it memorized, why don't you go home and do it, right? Because you're not bullshitting me, you know, which, and, and you're not bullshitting God, you're, you're, and you're not even bullshitting yourself. Yeah. So, you know, it, that, that, and honestly, I get that reaction from a lot of students. Many of my students tell me how they hated me so much. And they <laughs> always smile and say, yes, but look how many years you've been studying my teachings. Yeah. So have you ever meditated on that? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, you guys. I know you all know that super green powders are good for you if they're made from organic sources and they're processed properly so the nutrients are there. And that's exactly what Paleo Valley does with their super greens powder. So I brought Autumn Smith in to tell us exactly how she created it and why and what it's going to do for you when you try their amazing organic super greens powder. Autumn, what is the magic you've got here? Well, like you said, we all need to get more of those micronutrients that you find in fresh fruits and vegetables. And so we've created a powder that you do not have to choke down. It has an absolutely delicious berry lemonade flavor. And the reason that it's different is because A, it is all organic, 23 organic superfood ingredients. And B, it is a very, very gut-friendly product because what I've found in my practice is that a lot of people don't do well with cereal grasses. And we know cereal grasses, like wheatgrass, can contain lectins that can be hard on the guts of a lot of people I work with. And so what we did was we created a a cereal grass-free alternative. We use high quality, the cleanest, highest quality spirulina on the market raised in India. And then we added the 22 other organic fresh fruits and vegetables and the flavor will surprise you. So all you have to do to check it out is go ahead to paleovalley.com. That's P-A-L-E-O-V-A-L-L-E-Y.com. And you can use the code CHECK15, that's lowercase c-h-e-k-15, at checkout. My son drinks it every day. We call it his ninja juice, and I sincerely hope your family loves it as much as ours does.
All right, everybody, go paleo green and get rocking. Hope you love it. Let's transition here to the uh, real firewalk of your relationship because, you know, a lot of people, they get out of relationships that they really should be in Mm -hmm. because they're too trapped in their ego or their programming or projecting their shadows and always making it the other person's fault. And, you know, one of the most painful things you can experience in life is to divorce somebody that you really love Mm -hmm. and find out a year later that you're in love with them Mm -hmm. and that you were an idiot, but they've already found a new partner and they aren't interested in coming back. And I've watched people go through hell when they have to face that dragon. And the thing is, is that you guys have been through some fire together and some healing together. Yeah. And, and, you know, these conflicts don't just go away when Sarah doesn't just all of a sudden say, okay, I've got my, I've got my, um, my mountain man mm-hmm. and I'm just going to let him be a mountain man. And you aren't going to just let someone be bitchy and slap you around endlessly either. So there's going to be some kind of a reconciling of forces in here. And I'm quite hip to them because one thing I've got to say, and one of the reasons I wanted to do this podcast with you is because you're two of the most honest people I've ever worked with. Like when it comes right down to coaching, you guys are like, you just tell me what's going on, even if it's, painful or nasty and even if it points back to you i mean sarah how many times have you told me god damn it i hate to admit this right what i'm about to say i know it's true but i just don't like it Mm -hmm. and you know so most people don't make it nearly that easy for me as a therapist or a coach i have to kind of very gently go down the line of drawing it out of them because when a person's volatile like that one of their favorite things to do Mm -hmm. is reject the teacher the coach or the therapist and this goes on all day long. And it's the hardest part of really coaching people is working them through their own shadows and their own projections because you become the next target of that. Mm-hmm. And usually you yeah. can tell who they are because they have a long history of seeing doctors and therapists always saying, I didn't get any results. Well, there's a reason you didn't get any results. And here I am, number 27. Yeah. So, and I have a hard time with that uh, because I'm... I just don't have a lot of patience for for bullshit uh, of any type. And I don't have a lot of patience for people that say that they want to heal or that they want to do this, but then don't do the work. And, you know, I think you both know how I am. I mean, I have a certain level of tolerance, but then I also say, okay, enough's enough. I'm the last guy you want to play this game with because it's costing you a lot of money. And if you keep it up, I'm going to make it more expensive. So you take me seriously. Well, there's the point is, is like, uh, that's why it's hard for me to understand. One, you're not, a, you're not cheap. No, I and, hope not. And, um, <laughs> I don't want to be. <laughs> even if I were to try and bullshit you, I know you would know I'm bullshitting you. Yeah. So I mean, like why waste, time because time is money when I'm working with you and I don't want to waste it and so uh, it's hard for me to hear that 
people actually do try that. With oh, my God. Because it's like, they must just have money falling out of their ass or something. But Well, yes, yeah, some of them have more money than is healthy. And um, they th the other thing, when you reach my level of, of notoriety, people want to hire you just to say that they worked with you, mm, right? I, uh, they don't really want to do the work. It's like another notch on their belt, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I got to the point where I said, okay, I'm not choosing any of my clients anymore. I don't care if I'm flat broke and some rich cat wants me to coach him. If my soul says, no, this is not a good investment in your time, then I will create other ways to make money. Mm -hmm. But it took me a while in my career to stop really operating from a, a poverty consciousness of, because, you know, I came from a family that always had money problems and the Institute, you know, I went bankrupt. And so you guys know the whole story, yeah. but it took, takes years of working with your unconscious to finally get to the point where you orient yourself toward abundance, not scarcity. And so when I would have mm -hmm. periods where there was, you know, stock market crashes or whatever in the Institute, and I would be like struggling I would be more apt to accept anybody that wanted coaching, but I would often find myself going, why in the hell am I trying to coach this person? Because they're just not ready to be coached. And then, you know, one part of me would say, well, you need the money and that's what you do. And the other part of me would say, yeah. yes, but you're just a professional babysitter at this point, And that is just a pain in the ass. Mm -hmm. So I finally, you know, by the time you guys just started with me, I got to the point where I'm like, I would rather starve to death than be a professional <laughs> babysitter. Um, and I raised my rates up quite high. So yeah. that it kind of put a filtration system up. Um, but at $500 an hour, I was still getting a lot of those people. But once I went up to $750 an hour, then it, uh, it kind of knocked a lot of that out because now it's too much of an investment to, to do that. So, uh, you know... And the point being from me is that you guys were very level and honest and I never really had to work hard to get you to tell the truth. I just, you know, usually would have to deal with mostly your tears going, oh my God, I can't believe what you just showed me. Oh God, mm -hmm. which is the divine mirror, right? That's yeah. the thing that the two of you met with me the most is yeah. because in, when you were both in trouble, you would be finding a thousand reasons why it was the other person driving you crazy. Oh my God, yeah. And so I would say, wait a minute, here's this shiny piece of glass. I want you to look very carefully into it. And I would do it to both of you. And and eventually you'd realize, uh-oh, I've attracted myself to myself <laughs> and I have to deal with it. Very perfectly. So now that we've got a little history on your relationship... I'd like to talk about the transition or the firewalk of relationship because, you know, relationships work on common archetypal grounds. So many listening already will go, oh my God, that's me when they're listening to you or some guy's going to be going, oh, I know Alex is, that's me. <laughs> you know, these are not uncommon things. So I'd like to know about the, the fire and the the things that you had to really work together that kept reoccurring that were potential deal breakers if they weren't there. Because mm -hmm. I know there was times both of you were really kind of finding the edges of yourself in the relationship. And um, so what were some of the shadow projections and the things that you really had to work through 
And what are some of the tools, be they tools that I taught you or that you've learned through your own studies and your own life that gave you the ability to work through those challenging experiences and painful experiences to regain the connection and keep growing because you could have easily gotten a divorce several times, even though you weren't married, you could have left each other. You're Mm -hmm. about to get married. By the way, I'm here as the minister. I I, I had to get my Texas state minister's license to marry these two so (laughs) reverend paul yes they're the covid pushed their wedding back which really i thought was kind of cool because it just gave you a chance to keep growing together to really solidify the relationship and now now you know obviously here you're you're in deep together so turning back now would be like being at the 25 mile mark of a marathon and giving up and saying i'm gonna walk back which would be just dumb. You got 25 miles to walk back to the start line. And then, um, yeah, those are the, I'd like to, I just want to share with people what is the normal dynamic that people go through but often give up on? What are some of the things you had to work through and what are some of the things that kept you together and what are the tools that allowed you to stay together and helped you see the truth of yourself or the truth of your partner so that you didn't really lose sight of the beauty of who you were doing this work with. Well, from the start, we had that amazing connection and it was beyond words. And part of that is remembering who she is. Mm-hmm. Not only just to me, but who she is and just relationship, well, in relationship, but also as who she is as a being and who she is in my life and, and my mirror and mm-hmm. A lot of times in the beginning, especially because going from being a bachelor to a, you know, father of three, three three girls Mm -hmm. and of all different ages and just being surrounded by women that are constantly telling you things that you need to fix. (laughs) (laughs) About yourself and about the house. (laughs) Yeah. And it, it left me feeling very lonely in there and it felt like there's not much love and I didn't see it as love. I didn't see it as women looking out for me, trying to make me better. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. Controlling you. Yeah. It was just very, it was very painful. That was probably just the biggest firewalk in and of itself of just transitioning, thinking from they are trying to manipulate me and control me and to get me to do things that they want me to do and keep me from my, my freedom instead of showing me all the nasty stuff that I need to work on, mm-hmm. that could just make me a better person. Well, you also, you know, you, you stepped into a pretty intense situation because Sarah's got two girls from her previous marriage. They came from an environment that was, you know, challenging. Yeah. Uh, you know, your, your previous husband and you were just not seeing eye to eye. Um, and you had some pretty intense relationship challenges and there was some serious injury in both of the girls that came with them into the relationship with Alex. A lot, a lot of father issues. Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, to his credit, he has worked so hard to, you know, in his capacity and in his way to get it right. But he comes with his own conditioning Mm -hmm. and he was never around women. and, and, And so he was, you know, very hard on the girls and um, also very intolerant, but he loves them 
and always has. And so, yeah, coming out of that, the girls felt very abandoned. And especially my oldest, she still has the, the most... Uh, the most ch- most challenges in terms of trusting men mm-hmm. and she even recently told Alex like that she would rather go to him than her father but she is going to choose not to ever trust him because she just doesn't want to be hurt again by another man mm-hmm. and she's very much in that pain and Alex walked into this you know very fresh off of my divorce I also had you know five consecutive surgeries um, when I had my breast implants removed and ended up with tons of complications and a, a really, really bad MRSA infection that almost killed me, mm-hmm. complete financial crisis. The girls were terrified and confused and lost and going through their own transitions. And then in walks this guy, just willy-nilly, laissez-faire, life is great. Why, why are you, you know... You, to me, my biggest challenge was to recover myself financially, my health, yeah. emotionally, physically, um, but also walking this tightrope of having these two girls, you know, carrying them on me. And then, boom, guess what? You're pregnant. <laughs> And he's over here like, yeah, you know, getting a cigar. I'm going to be a dad. I'm so excited. I'm like, do you even know what the hell you're walking into here? What are you celebrating for? You know, so then, and then it turned out to be another girl. And so he is in a house full of women, you know, four women now, emotional ranges from four years old to 40 years old now. And... The biggest, I think, challenge for me was trust Mm -hmm. because I just, what I had gone through as we were getting to know each other and then came into relationship together, I didn't share a lot of that with him, but at the same time, I would transfer onto Alex the father I wish I had. Mm-hmm. And I have a great father. Mm-hmm. And his, but his, always his thing was to provide for the family. He was not a very masculine man. And if crises ever came into the family or anything were happening, he wasn't a very protective man. He wasn't, um, it was always like, you'll, you'll deal with this and you'll get through with it. And, you know, talk to your mother about that. And so I never felt protected. And I never felt safe around men. And I was also coming into this with a lot of sexual trauma. Mm. And that just carried into this whole facade of me being a tough, um, do-it-myself, independent woman, don't need you. But on the inside, I'm crying like, why doesn't he take care of me? Mm. And why does, you know, because I would then look at that as he must not care. And I'm going through all of these things. And then there was the year that two years in, my two oldest girls were in the hospital. One had acute liver failure and almost died. Same with the second one. Not her liver, but she was going through so much. And I was driving two hours a day to be at the hospital with them. And then we found out that we had a horrible mold investation in our house as we were trying to sell it. And it was just compounding and compounding and all these crises one after another. And it, it was like I just wasn't getting the hint, but through it all, 
I just remember thinking, I'm, I'm putting all of these crises that I'm going through onto Alex with these expectations that he should be doing this. He should be responding with this. He should be mm-hmm. loving me like this because he should have all of the sensitivity and compassion and empathy of a little girl. And I would, instead of expressing to him what I need, because that was vulnerable, I judged him for yeah. just not doing it. Mm-hmm. I think too, though, that, for Alex, uh, from, from my observation, he was still learning how to do it because, mm-hmm. you know, he, he's a younger man, eight years younger than you is a fair gap at that age. And, you know, I know working with Alex at the time, I was really working with him to try to get him to realize there's certain things that have to be done on a daily basis, personally and professionally, mm-hmm. so that you can create a solid foundation with which to grow and that requires a real level of commitment and and I think Alex had sort of still had that youthful freedom in him and all of a sudden all this women's stuff and life stress was putting him into a grow up and become a man really fast but part of him saying like shit do I really want to do this I mean this is not exactly my idea of a lot of fun some days here. Mm-hmm. If there's one mineral you should be worried about not getting enough of, it's magnesium. Magnesium is the body's master mineral, influencing over 300 critical reactions, including detoxification, fat metabolism, energy, even digestion is influenced by the presence of magnesium. But there are two big problems here. One, magnesium has been largely missing from U.S. soil since the 1950s, which explains why it's estimated that up to 80% of the population may be deficient in magnesium. And two, most supplements contain only one or two forms of magnesium, when really there are at least seven that your body needs and benefits from. If you take this latter fact into consideration, it's not illogical to conclude that 90% of the population is likely to be deficient in two or more essential forms of magnesium. The good news is that when you do get all seven critical forms of magnesium, pretty much every function in your body is upgraded from your brain to your sleep to pain and inflammation reduction, and it all improves fast. That's why I'm so excited about what my friends at Bioptimizers, makers of industry-leading digestive supplements, have just created. The research team recently formulated what I believe to be the ultimate magnesium supplement, easily the best I've ever seen or experienced, with all forms of this mineral. They even include trace amounts of something called monoatomic magnesium, which helps make all the other forms more bioavailable. This is by far the most complete magnesium product ever created, and until or unless someone comes out with a better one, I highly recommend you give it a try. Bioptimizers calls this product Magnesium Breakthrough, and they're running a special promotion for you at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash living number four little d that's bioptimizers.com forward slash living number four little d and right now during the entire month of november bioptimizers are running their black friday and cyber monday until november 30th this is the best time of year for incredible deals on select products you can get free shipping up to 40 percent off and they're even giving away free bottles of masszymes p3om and their HCL breakthrough with select orders. And here's the deal. The guys who make it are so confident that you're going to like it that they're going to give you all your money back if you don't. 
With this one simple action, you can reverse magnesium deficiency in all its forms and upgrade the performance of your body, including how you look and feel in every possible way. Make sure to go to this special website because it's the only place where you get access to this amazing discount. This magnesium breakthrough promotion is only available while quantities last. Again, that's Bioptimizers, B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash living number four little d. That's bioptimizers.com forward slash living four d to get your amazing deals on bioptimizers, great products, and magnesium breakthrough. I love bioptimizers. I actually do use them every day. Their products are excellent, and that's why I'm super excited to share them with you here. Enjoy. You know, Alex, how did you work through all that? Because, one, you know, I, I, I will share that, you know, I, I was pretty hard on you sometimes coaching you. And I have been since you got to check level four because I saw tendencies in you that concerned me because as a level four, you're, you're the cream of the crop. Everybody's going to turn to you for advice, as you know. And, and so I sort of needed to get you to kind of, put the building blocks of manhood underneath you so that you didn't um, end up being in a dangerous situation, which is having a lot of education that gives you a lot of credibility, but not being able to back it up because there's too much, shall we say, um, freedom that isn't really constructive for we and all relationships. Mm -hmm. It's great when you're a lone ranger, you know, Johnny Appleseed out there having fun, but when you start getting into people's lives and, and people depending upon you as a coach or a therapist or a partner, a husband or a father, those, those tendencies can actually leave people feeling very unstable in relationship with you. And, so, and for you, Sarah, I was really working with you to say, you know, you're spending a lot of time seeing what's wrong, but you're not looking for what's right with enough um, mm -hmm. e equanimity or equality to, to really, because you were risking not seeing the person that was right in front of you, which was my concern. You were seeing what you were conditioned to see, but not who was really in front of you. And me being a father and knowing what he's going through, because I went through it at 18, so I had to grow up fast, or or well, the result was I'd have to deal with the pain of a broken relationship and a, my own mm -hmm. child not having its daddy supporting it, which just was more than I could bear the weight of. So it was easier for me to just make it happen than it was to, and I, I'm not a guy that does well with failure, especially if it's self-induced. Um, so Alex, when you were going through all of this, how did you keep it together and stay in the game? Because the in intensity of having a partner that was almost dead a couple of times, kids that were really not in good shape, you know, the older one having her real hard time adapting to the loss of her father and the gain of another father figure um, and having a hard time adapting with also being a teenager, you know, that's a hard time for yeah. a lot of girls. It's men and women, males and females, but girls in particular because mm -hmm. their hormones are just like going crazy. But, uh, you know, you, you, you did a good job of staying in the fire. Um, how did you, how did you, what was your inner dialogue that kept you in it? One of my favorite sayings is, uh, 
you know, what's the best way to eat an elephant? One <laughs> bite at a time. <laughs> it's what got me through anything that requires a process because I feel like, you know, when I look out to the forest, if you trim a branch and you go, oh, I have to, f-, and you focus on the forest, then I get overwhelmed really easily. Mm-hmm. So even when I sent you that case study that was 184 pages or whatever it was, it was just, okay, I, I'm, I need to get in here and it's one moment at a time. Okay, finish this assessment. Okay, now finish this one. Okay, now I'll go back to the. So it's when people ask me, my clients ask me, what do you meditate? Well, most of the time I'm meditating every day. I'm moment by time. moment is a meditation. What does my face look like? What is my emotions? What am I feeling? What are people needing? What is the house like? Do I need to look around? It's just... It's just lots of data points that are being requested of me on a constant loop of awareness. And then just getting, just like in weight training, just facilitating that neural network to continue to focus on that point, focus on that point. And then everything else, once it becomes nice and nice and facilitated, it takes less brain power to do so. So then I can relax and then I just see that point all the time. Mm-hmm. So in certain, in certain um, conflicts, uh, sometimes I would just just be blunt and ask like what's going on and then sometimes i'd get the fire and sometimes nothing's going on and now i've just learned to trust when sarah says nothing i don't pry for more information when it's really nothing and then i'm just prying for 15 minutes trying to get something out of her because i see her look is off but really she's trying to study or she's trying to concentrate on finishing taxes or something like that and i've pulled her out of 15 minutes worth of work for my own insecurity that making sure everything is okay that now she bites my head off and that completely even further takes her off track so Mm -hmm. most of the time it's just moment by moment because i was already sure that this is the woman i'm going to spend my life with it's now getting my ego on board and getting it stopped looking at all those like fancy like pictures of like uh all the materialism that i was thinking about and the freedom i was thinking about you know almost like my ego was in a jail cell looking at those things. But really, when you turn around, the jail cell's open and I just put myself in there for my own amusement and my own pain. And when I just started going with the flow of whatever the environment provided or needed that day, it just made things a lot easier. So if you know Sarah needed my support, it wasn't. I didn't ask why anymore. I just did the thing. Mm-hmm. And then it took energy away and gave it, gave it back to me. Because if I'm not thinking, well, if this is happening, then that's... Ha-, and I just said, you know what? You know, do you need, the, you need a phone charger? I just walked over, got a phone charger. Anything else? No? Okay, cool. And then I just go do what I'm supposed to do. And, you know, pick up a chainsaw, whatever. But then being with Sarah for a long time, it's, you know... I've learned to do things because I love her. Mm-hmm. And I, w- I would love to make sure that her life it feels easier because she makes my life so much easier. And so when I look at the grand scheme of things, if we can support each other, then our family runs smoother. Then I know she has space for our kids. She has space for herself. She has space for me at the end of the day. Yeah. And so what I've just noticed is if she's doing my work, and the thing about Sarah is that's what I've noticed. When After we started coaching, I've noticed that Sarah paid attention to herself so much that she would, like a phoenix, burn herself up. And then I'd be praying that that egg rehatched itself at the end of the day and a new phoenix came out. And so uh, at, some t- at some point, I just realized, I was like, I can't do this to her. Mm, and, good. Then, and then so I, s- because she will never say anything to me. If my shoes aren't in the right place or if I something's not in the laundry hamper or if you know, the office isn't the way it's supposed to be, she will just come in and do it. And I don't want her doing that because she will do it 
over herself. She will sacrifice herself in, in, in a lot of situations. Mm -hmm. And so for, you know, seeing that over and over again and seeing like blood leave her face and being tired mm -hmm. and having migraines at night and realizing I'm part of that problem. And if I'm going to spend the rest of this life with this woman, with, with this woman, which I have already agreed with my soul that, yes, I, I, I see what you're trying to show me then I need to do something different. So every day was, what can I do differently today? And in this moment, what can I do differently this moment? Sometimes it's nothing. Sometimes, you know, the oldest will come down and just start yelling at me. And normally I would just say something that's, you know, fiery and witty back and make her not feel good, but give her the truth in a bite. And yeah. then I realized, okay, that didn't work. Now Sarah's stressed out. She's stressed out. Everyone's stressed out. And now she's in more pain. Okay, well, Sometimes in those situations, it's sometimes say nothing. So, so I just tried different things. Sometimes I just stood there and just just took the brunt of it. And then I go to Sarah and go, what do I do? Mm -hmm. And and sometimes I would try to speak from the heart and then that would backfire. Mm -hmm. And then so at the end of the day, I go, what causes the least amount of stress to the woman in my, in my life, in my, in my home? And what brings them the most joy? And sometimes it's, I can't answer that right now. You know, they ask me some, for something immediately. I go, I, I, I have to, I, I'm honoring your request, but I have to just think about what you're asking me to do because mm -hmm. I'm doing something. And so I just learned how to, how to communicate a little bit more effectively. Communication mm -hmm. was pretty big. Yeah. Because Alex comes from a very um, stoic Russian family. You don't express your feelings. You don't express your needs. Um, Don't talk. Take a couple shots and uh, a couple days apart, and you'll be f everything just goes back forget to about it. like uh, you just reset the record player and it plays the song again. Wow. Yeah, yeah, but it just keeps playing it again, again, <laughs> and again, and, and, again. Again, and huh. again. Yeah, yeah. And he would a lot of times, you know, expect me to like get over something, mm -hmm. but I can't get over it. And and my daughter would just can't get over. You know, she would. One thing that also helped Alex understand that just the f communication with females in general, one is having so many females around him, but is when, you know, my oldest one time just yelled, like, I just wish you weren't here. I just wish you never came. And he would initially just take it so personally, like that hurts so much. I've done so much for this girl. And me coming back to him and saying, she doesn't wish you never came what is behind that because if you never came and you just disappeared what does she gain she gets her mommy back mm -hmm. so when he arrived my attention was divided my love was divided and her world changed again and mm -hmm. again it came upside down that's what she's truly communicating so it it was being an only child in a very stoic russian family it was his firewalk was learning how to read between the lines of what we're really communicating, the need behind what we're saying. And he's actually become really, really good at that to the point where we'll say one thing and he'll clarify, do you mean that you need this right now? <laughs> and it'll catch us off guard like, oh, we are worthy to share that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I need that. And... I think also being in awareness, it's not always perfect and it's not easy either, you know, especially when your two shadows are just dancing between each other. But 
I think it was when we realized that it's not like Alex and Sarah, you know, like two separate, you know, people interacting. It was the, as you talk about a lot, the I, we, and the all. Mm -hmm. Well, we're both very unique eyes, but when we merge, we create this space between us that then becomes its own consciousness. And it's like, that's what's experiencing anything in our relationship at any given moment is the space between us, the we. Mm -hmm. And the consciousness of we that we create is what is experiencing everything all the time. So even if we're triggered or we're stressed or we're tired and we're not really being well in our awareness, practicing it enough has allowed us to just kind of take a moment and go like, well, I'm really focused on me right now. I'm really focused on how I feel and how it's his fault or what he did to do this. And I'm focused on being right and telling her how she's wrong. There is a pause often where we're like, what is that doing to our we consciousness? Mm -hmm. And how is our we consciousness experiencing this, this childish, stupid behavior? And when you think about it that way, it's like that we consciousness is also another, is just another separate being and it, we're just hurting it and we're, we're not serving it. And so... We're, we're also in this, um, uns it's unspoken, but these two, by us committing to the relationship of between ourselves, when I say I want to be with you and you want to be with me, no matter what that is, and I've shared with Sarah recently and... I've shared this with some people that are all around here locally. It's I had this realization that since we take, since Sarah just mentioned, I'm not perfect still. So <laughs> we had these. I, so <laughs> I'll hang out with you. We can smoke a bag and celebrate. <laughs> I'll hold to that. And, uh, and me and Angie will go talk. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so uh -huh. when we would get into these imperfections and dancing with our shadows, we would a lot of times, so what helps, we, we would agree that, hey, let's step away. And what I've come to realize in one of those moments was that if it's okay for me to step away, even conflict, and it's okay to her to step away, for her to step away in conflict, and we're not seeking outside validation. We're actually working on the issue separately. And there's, I don't even know how many times on my hands and feet, Sarah's very, very intellectually dominant, mm -hmm. right, with her speech, and she will put you in some contortionist <laughs> position with her words. And so a lot of times, like, I'll give her a response and it's not good enough. And then she'll just keep going. And I'm like, I don't have a, I, I, I want to say something. And then, Tongue -tied. and then I'll say a word and then she's like, stop interrupting. And then she'll keep talking. And then, so I'm like, okay, I need to take a break. I need to walk away and then I'll process and I'll sit there and I'll process. What is she asking of me? And then I'll have the chance to go ground myself and then go, is this what you're wanting? What you're needing? Just to be clear. And then usually that space while I'm doing that, she's also going, okay, Time to calm down, time to ground myself. So we both have this unspoken agreement at this point that we just work on ourselves in that moment mm -hmm. and come back and try try this again. Rather than looking at the problem. It's and it's like, oh, they're you know, we're having this problem and it's Alex versus Sarah, which I think is a uh, most couples do. Mm -hmm. It's me versus you, you versus me. And in another breakthrough that we had was realizing it's us against the problem. 
It's mm-hmm. we against the mm-hmm. issue, we against the conflict, we against the, the challenge, whether it's miscommunication or, you know, you said this happened on this timeline. I disagree. It's that's it's us against this issue. And I think when couples run into so many challenges as we did in our early on, it was just a lot of like, oh, how many times are we going to have the same fight? Mm hmm. And how many times do I have to ask him for the same thing all the time? And and he, he's over here thinking, like, how many times do I have to listen to her rant for an hour saying the same things? It's it's because we weren't in our that we space. We yeah. were not in that. I love Symbiotica's products, as you all know. I share them as often as I can because they work and they're made of the best quality resources you can get. And Symbiotica has just come out with a new liposomal activated charcoal that has many amazing benefits. Sherveen, let us know what is the power, the potency, and the use of liposomal activated charcoal. Paul, this was an exciting one for us because, as you know, we're from the islands of Hawaii. And charcoal is really big over there in terms of detoxification. We make ours using coconuts. And this product's the first time it's ever been in a liposomal form, meaning it's protected to make it all the way down into the gastrointestinal area. And then it really starts taking on its action. Anyone that's got anything dealing with candida overgrowth, exposures to mold, radiation, pesticides, pharmaceutical residues, an overly acidic body, This is a very quick, easy way to provide a rapid solution to any of those issues. If you're dealing with bloating, anything like that, the way charcoal works, it's not an absorber that most people think. It's an adsorber. It's an electrical charge. So it pulls in anything that does not belong in the body into the charcoal and then evacuates and eliminates out. This is one of our top sellers. The reviews on it are incredible. I can't wait for anyone who hasn't used it to try it and just let us know their feedback. Exciting. So if you want to get your liposomal activated charcoal, go to C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. That's symbiotica.com. And on checkout, use the code capital C, capital H, capital E, capital K, 15 to get your 15% discount. And while you're there, check out all the amazing Symbiotica products because your discount applies across the board. Enjoy. This is the origin of the saying, there is no I and we. And it's a, it's a really, you know, that's why I teach in my love model, love emerges in three stages, I, we, and all. Mm-hmm. But people don't realize, you know, you can't realize intellectually how huge the jump in responsibility is from I to we. Yeah. Because now you have to learn to interpret another person's communications, moods, facial expressions, postures, body language. And women, in my experience, are much more indirect communicators, unless you're a guy fortunate enough to have a wife like Penny, who's very masculine in the way she sees the world. In fact, Penny has told me she doesn't particularly like being around women in general, because they just have so much to say that she doesn't think is important. (laughs) You know, she does better with men. and, And so... Uh, I think it takes a while for a man to learn how to decipher what a woman's really trying to say because they usually speak pro- what I call process language and men speak in outcome language. A man just says, what do you need? Facts. And 
then she says, well, I need, you know, this, this, and this, and this, but it still isn't saying what is needed. It's And it can change five minutes later. Yeah, so it, it can get almost, you know, um, maddening for a lot of men, I think. And and, and I think that the, the, the uh, I think our psyches are set up with these imbalances because they force us into the depths of what relationships really about what the other sex is really about what meaning is about and it takes you out of the domain of an intellectual understanding into an authentic um initiation into love Mm -hmm. into what love is all about Mm -hmm. and it's not easy right you know people have all these sort of childish romantic notions of love but love is you know i just had a beautiful podcast with Ari Hanavar, the the great Rumi um, poet and artist. And we were talking about love and, and she said, <laughs> she said, love is a motherfucker, you know? And she meant it. Like she meant it in the most wholesome way. It is the hardest, but the most beautiful thing you'll ever experience. And, you know, it's like thinking of what it takes for a woman to give birth to a child. It can kill her. Mm-hmm. And it's the only way a woman can make it through that without losing herself is through the love wow. of the child and for the child and for the family. And um, men have to grow into that level of love and connection. Even though a man may be a great provider, a man really can't fathom what it's like to have your pelvis split in half as a new being comes through. And and they also can't easily fathom why they would want to do it two or three or four or five or six or whatever times, right? right. But, so we, we, we need each other to see the perspective of the divine through the polarity of the feminine and the masculine. I can't really understand what it's like to be a woman as a man until I engage a woman and and really trust her and witness and observe carefully. And a woman doesn't understand the the weight of manhood either. A lot of women don't get it, right? A lot of women don't understand why men are stressed or why they're having these problems. But, you know, it's, it's a, it's a real uh, legitimate weight to have, pride and want to care for your family and provide for them and you know i've been through very tough times in my life where it took every ounce of my strength to figure out how to make enough money to keep my family fed and keep the roof over their head and in challenging job environments and and just having to do things and if 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 a woman doesn't acknowledge or appreciate that it, it can leave a man um in a place where it's very hard for him to get himself out of bed and face the day because it almost feels like um, an expectation that uh, is kind of like your mother or your dad telling you another thing you've got to do when you really have no desire to do Mm -hmm. it versus the commitment of love and family and the spirit of doing what you got to do for for the unity of the family and if the love isn't there and the connection's not there because of these communication breakdowns it can put a man into a, a very very painful 
place. So the point I'm making is we actually have these blind spots that are very strong in relationship with the opposite sex. And even if it's the same sex relationship, one of them's always taking more of the feminine role and one of them's taking the masculine role. So it doesn't even matter if you're in a same-sex relationship. The dynamics of, mm-hmm. of archetype number six, the lovers, is very, very real. Yeah. Because uh, the whole universe is polarized that way or, or you can't have consciousness. It just won't work. Um, what I'd like to hear next is, is some of the dominant tools you use. But before we go to that, I'm curious, Alex, you, you had a, a, a challenge for a while there with something that's gotten to be more common today. And that's, you know, Sarah described you as a, as a video game addict. You described yourself to me not as an addict, but as somebody who needed a little something for himself, yes. <laughs> which turned out to be a trigger for her. Um, looking back on it, what was the video game time for you? Was it an addiction or was it... A, uh, 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 was it a, a way to escape the pain of the responsibilities or was it truly just something you needed to do just for yourself? I think it was a little bit of all of the above. Yeah. It wasn't just one of those things. And it was, you know, I come home, work, try to do some things and then not feel appreciated, get yelled at, things like that, try, not do good enough or feel not good enough. And, you know, then you'd go around off to the bathroom and I'd, okay, well, let's just immerse myself in this thing. And then feel accomplished somewhat emotionally, right? Mm. It would release some kind of dopamine response and I'd feel better. And then I get to use my intellect. And, you know, and when Sarah and I got together, it was like, wow, you're her famous quote, you're a lot smarter than you look. <laughs> and, I meant uh, it well. <laughs> and so I, I get to, you know, experiment with my brain and play these other things that, that outsmart other people. So I was like, and I get to share with myself and validate myself because I wasn't getting that from, you know. Right. So because there's a scoring structure, there's mm-hmm. a structure to the game, there was a ladder you could climb and feel like, look, I, I, I got to the top of the ladder mm-hmm. today. And even though these girls aren't seeing it, I'm, I, at least I have yeah. won a game for God's sakes. Yeah. And it, it consumed me to the point where I lost track of how much time it was taking until the iPhone came out with a, a screen time. And that really brought it home because it was like, you know, three minutes here, 10 minutes here. And then by the time it added up, it was like four hours. Wow. Five hours sometimes. And I'm thinking, holy cow, this is a lot of time. And then and then I'm like adding the week because that's how my brain works. I can just chunk up numbers and just mm-hmm. multiply. And I'm like, okay, well, that's 24 hours. That's, that's like half a work week. I was like, okay. And then so it just started eating at me. And then the thought of that started consuming me. And then I realized that I could be spending my time doing other things. And then I'm then I was like, okay, I need to pull off of this. I need to pull off a little bit more. I need and then I made structure. And then I broke my own structure. And then I was like, okay, well, this isn't working. So then I deleted it off my phone completely. And then it came back. And then I deleted it. And then it came back. And then it just and then after a while, when we moved here, it was just kind of gone. Nature. Nature. (laughs) Well, you just have a lot to do here, right? There's a lot, you know. Yeah. um, But I would say being connected, so connected to nature, it was like his desire just went away. It's hard to go back to a video game when you've got uh, trees and and earth and things to build and, you know, 
fix up and you know like there's a real relationship yeah i think that's really unfortunately the nature of a lot of the problems we're having in society today is you know um i don't know if you've ever read the book the human zoo by desmond morris Mm -mm. well uh desmond morris did research on what happens when they take animals from the wild and put them in zoos what kind of reactions do they have how they fight they did you know things like stress hormone responses and health problems that emerge and then he correlated that to what happens when people move into cities mm-hmm. and showed that the identical things is happening in cities that's happening to animals in zoos from being put in confined yeah. spaces and not having access to their natural environment. And so I think a lot of what's going on in the world is that people are developing coping mechanisms to being disconnected from yeah. what we really are. I mean, we really are the planet. There's no way around it. But we might be, you know, as some people say, uh, spiritual beings having a human experience or star beings having a human experience. But it, the the reality of it is, is is the the human experience is anchored in the earth because our we can't function without earth, water, fire, air, and sun, and those are the things that are the elements of nature. That's what nature's made up of. But when you get into a city like New York, it can be a mm. sunny day and you can be in the, in the shadows of tall buildings all day and feel mm. like you're in Denmark. The water's crap. The food's hard to find, if you know, et cetera. So you just are in a zoo. Yeah. And then COVID really put people into a, a zoo type crisis. Yeah. But for people like you with five acres of land and us with 14 acres of land, honestly, if I wasn't listening to the news or reading emails, I would have never known COVID even existed. Mm-hmm. Us and, either. Us yeah, either. And most of the people in my neighborhood all immediately, <laughs> like, are you kidding me? This is silly, yeah. you know? And, and so neighbors were saying, oh, come on over. You know, we don't care about that. We'll pour mm-hmm. you a drink or whatever. And, but then, you know, I, I, I'd go to buy stones, for example, at the, at the uh, place I buy stones at and I couldn't buy stones without a mask on. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Yet all these employees are out there with no masks on. But as soon as they walk into the cash register, everybody, I'm like, do you realize this? Do you understand even what a virus is? Do you realize what you're telling people to do to themselves and how, how much of a double standard you're running by mm-hmm. not having it universal? I said, you know, if, 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 if you really believe in COVID, then act like it. And if you don't, then act like it. But don't play two games because all you're doing is confusing people and you're confusing yourself. Well, what a metaphor, though, because that's what we do, not only in relationships, but in life, you know, we put the mask on, we take the mask off. Yeah, put the exactly. mask on, yeah. And we put this mask on, or no, now I want the mask with the flowers, now I want the mask with the stripes. And we're just constantly taking masks on and off. And it doesn't, what does that do for you? It doesn't do anything for you, but cause you pain. What also leads to a point where you actually forget who it is putting the mask on and off because you're so busy identifying with the person behind the mask. In other words, who you're projecting, right? The the stripe mask is one personality. The rosy mask or the flower mask is another personality. But the issue is you can't juggle too many of those personalities before you actually lose touch with the person that keeps switching them because Mm -hmm. you need the masks in order to orient yourself towards whoever it is you're wearing it for you understand so you keep projecting yourself outward into that relationship so when i'm with mom this is who i am 
When I'm with my buddies, this is who I am. When I'm with my boss and my coworkers, this is who I am. When I'm with, you know, my teacher, this is who I am. Well, all of that is an outward projection because you're identifying with whatever you have to do to cope with the environment that you're in, but you actually forget who it is that's doing the coping, which is the I or the soul, the yeah. individual, right? The, the soul inside of you. And so that actually can lead you to a crisis of self where you don't know who you are. You just know who you're expected to be by everybody else that keeps telling you to wear your masks or or demanding you to wear your masks. Or you feel that if you are authentic with yourself, you might offend somebody. So then you wear the mask for them. But at the end of the day, you don't know who you are anymore. And that happened to me. And I didn't realize that an adult, you know, I study psychology and philosophy and, and all of these things so much. And again, just trying to make my brain bigger, but I never had imagined that that would happen to me to the point where I'm wearing so many masks throughout my life and trying to appease my family, appease social circles, appease my teammates, my bosses, all these different people all over the place. Um, there were so many versions of me that by the time I got married the f to my ex-husband, um, I began, I, I was in such a fear state of conflict with anybody for any reason that I, I, we did a journey together recently, well, maybe like March, early March, and it wasn't even very, it, it was not a lot. It was very subtle, you know, we're just going to play and have a good time. And all of a sudden, these waves hit me so hard where I'm like, all these memories are flooding back mm -hmm. of who I was between the ages of 18 to 21 and how I had come, like all these memories that came at me, like I had, it was like I never lost them, but I was in conscious awareness of the fact that I had formally not acknowledged that person, that woman who I was, and these things that I went through, these events, these circumstances, these experiences, how much of an amazing woman I did that I'd literally erased because I didn't feel that she was good enough or would be accepted by my new husband. And that became my story. And it was so firmly rooted in me that I literally forgot who I was mm -hmm. until the medicine showed me, don't forget her. Mm. As you're trying to connect with you and learn to love yourself, don't forget her because you abandoned her and you have such a fear of people abandoning you, but you abandoned yourself, mm -hmm. you wiped her away. And it was so painful and he was there and I was sobbing so hard at, at the realization of what I'd done mm -hmm. and how I had completely forgotten who I was. and But at the same time, I was so overjoyed and excited by how I was remembering that part of me and all the amazing things I did and the people I loved and the people who loved me. And uh, it was such a, it was so painful, but exciting. And what was amazing was being next to somebody who is like, I don't care. I love all of you no matter what. And it was that moment too where I, I realized, well, I erased that part of me to appease and avoid conflict with my other partner, my former partner. And here I am remembering and I'm in, and uncontrollably remembering in front of him and he's just 
he's enjoying it and he's loving it and supporting mm. it. She's telling me about uh, like uh, memories of past boyfriends. And I'm like, Lovers. so what was, what was that like? So you Tell did, me about it. Yeah. I've never heard about this person. Yeah. I, in my head, it was, it was so true to me that I had only had four lovers in my life. It was so true to me. And then when all of this came rushing at me, it was more than that. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I used to get mad, like not mad, but I was jealous of Alex for getting to live out this youth and sleep with women and explore this, t you know, these kinds of sexualities and experiment this way sexually and doing all these things. I'm like, he got to live and I didn't because it was so firmly my truth that I'd only been with four men and oh, here I am, I'm just sacrificing my fun again, and he, get, he got to do, you know, so I was jealous of him, but it turned out, like, I had, I had a lot of fun. Like, I really did. I had great fun. Mm. <laughs> and, I, and, and realizing that when I took that mask off was that all of these experiences were, I didn't lose anything, and then I also gained somebody who just accepts me no matter what. I mean... I could have told him that I was a prostitute all the way to pay through college and I was having clowns snort blow off of me and all these things and he would have been like, I love you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> No well, matter you know, what. I think he pretty much would have been aware of the fact that well, however you got there, it made you the woman that you are. Yeah. And, and so, you know, sometimes God works in mysterious ways. I mean, all the time. But uh, so, you know, I think all of these are, are the the real realities of relationships that a lot of people either are aware of, but don't know how to put it into context within their own life. In other words, they may listen to this podcast and go, well, I don't have those problems, but they might be in denial. For sure. Well, going back to addiction, right? Like you have social media and just this aesthetic visual like entertainment of people posting about how amazing their relationship is and look at these adventures that we went on and look at the sexy time we did and taking all the best photos and editing them and putting them on, you know, social media. And then, you know, even um, thought leaders, authors, influencers who are putting these stories out there with all the best cropped and, you know, uh, fixed photos and then edited stories to make it look like you look you can have this enlightened relationship and have these adventures and it's so sexy just look at us right and it's just bullshit it is all just bullshit and we sit and we laugh at with each other because we're like wait till they have a kid i'm gonna sit back with some popcorn <laughs> or wait until someone's parent gets gets sick or wait until they have a financial crisis or wait until they have a breakup with one of their friends that reveals the truth about what's going on in their relationships, right. which Wait. is often what happens. There's a crisis in our lives and we will face crises. And, you know, it's like, well, how good is your relationship in a crisis? Not how good is it when things are fun and you're flying off to Peru or South America and doing yeah. ayahuasca together and taking selfies and, and, you know, all tanned up in a bikini and posting it. It's not about, uh, you know, how great your relationship is on Christmas morning no. or, you know, when right at the after the birth of your first child and you're just all drunk in love and all that. No, how good is your relationship 
when you actually hit real crisis because yeah. we have hit so many. Mm-hmm. And I think the best that we have ever been has been through crisis. That's really a measure of the bonding force, right? Because crisis is a an explosive force that pushes most people apart. But if you have room inside of yourself to embrace the crisis, you usually can't do it without reaching around it and grabbing your partner's hands or your family member's hands, right? If a crisis is big enough to blow you apart, you've got to grab somebody's hands to keep you from flying apart, such as a financial crisis, a death in the family, disease in the family, personal illness, post-personal injury. Um, You know, these are things that we can't navigate alone. So if too, there's too much I-ness in the we-ness of the relationship, then there's no hands to be held mm-hmm. because uh, oftentimes a crisis is being blamed on somebody else instead of realizing, okay, this is something we've got to work through together or, or we're not going to make it. Right. So I think that crises are the great saviors of we because mm-hmm. they help us get past the superficial aspects of life into the depth of life. And then you have things like COVID, which are crises of the all. And, uh, you know, ultimately to the degree your eye is disabled, then a crisis as big as COVID brings you into a disabled we, which is why there's so much suicide and, and domestic violence that was going on through the thick of the whole COVID thing. Yeah. But ultimately the only people that can wrap their arms around a, a, a crisis whether it's real or, or manufactured. Um, I mean, the thing is COVID may have been a manufactured crisis, but it became a reality when people started losing their jobs and when people were, you know, having to wear masks and, and social distance and lose touch with life and their plans and, and not having the ability to get out into nature and being arrested for going to the beach and, you know, yeah. violence by police and, and, you know, so, my point is that only the people that actually are intact in their iness, who have the support of their weeness or their family circle are stable enough to actually do the kind of problem solving it takes to get the rest of us through a all crisis. And we're at the point now in the world where we all need to hold hands and circle the globe and get past all religious, racial, ethnic, um, cultural differences because what's really behind this is a meltdown in the cultural fabric of relationship not only to ourselves as human beings but to the planet that allows us to have this life experience but so many people have gotten trapped with their faces in technology and as you've noticed what seems like a few minutes turns out to be half of a work week and so we're losing sight of of what really is meaningful in relationships and you see it you know when i travel through airports or uh, if i'm out occasionally at restaurants it always baffles me to see husbands and wives or boyfriends and girlfriends sitting right next to each other in the airport texting each other instead of actually turning and talking to each other i'm like and i've pointed out to penny a few times and we all see it but i'm like this is like Mm-hmm. This is like not even human what's happening. It's it's like this is a, a very, very dangerous situation that's emerging as a product of the very technology that was used to 
brainwash people into believing everything that was in the media, but paradoxically, a lot of people not smart enough to use that same technology to see what the real experts that really do understand viruses in the environment had to say about it. You know, so it's kind of like, you know, part of the same disease of believing your own story so much you don't check the facts. So you just become a shitty journalist in your own head. Uh, people have gotten to the point where they just trust the the media sources and the doctors that are getting the most airtime without realizing that that airtime is being bought and paid for by some small group of people that has a huge investment in you believing it, but that, that does not by any means mean it's the truth. So really, you can look at the whole COVID crisis as an extension of what's happening in our individual lives. Yeah, just regurgitating the story that we so much believe in and then not willing to check ourselves, yeah. not willing to face our own shit, face our own limitations. Yeah. And and really it makes us a shitty partner. And we think that just, and I think it was you that actually really made it real for us, this next truth I'm going to share, is that we could do hundreds of ayahuasca journeys, medicinal journeys, and all kinds of therapy and, you know, but nothing would teach us and show us what we really need to learn other than each other and the relationship. As much as I will get so pissed off and so impatient mm -hmm. and just, ah, that's teaching me something. And if you're willing to actually stop and, and ask, okay, what am I feeling right now? Then sit with that. And then, well, what is it that he could be experiencing and feeling right now? And sit with that. And then ask, well, what are we experiencing because of this? And it's just that one, two, three. It just takes a very quick in awareness, one, two, three. And that's why, as Alex said earlier, that pause is so important because if mm -hmm. we are getting out of control, we're not communicating well. We just have to pause. Yes. Yeah. The timeout function. It's um, it's a very interesting time in, in the evolution of humanity. And, and um, it's also a great time for all of us to realize that what we're talking about here extends itself to the whole world because the same sort of situations that we're talking about here in this podcast together let me ask you this isn't it the same person that's looking at the news and and looking at the issues of the world that's going through these challenges in relationship in other words what's happening in your house is what's happening outside of your house. Mm -hmm. Because whatever is limiting your ability to see the other or have a genuine interest in their wants, feelings, or needs or identify your own wants, feelings, or needs is the same person that looks at everything in the world. So the same biases and perceptual filters, if you apply them to 7 billion people, turn out to produce a COVID mm -hmm. or another world war or whatever. So really, fundamentally, if we're going to heal the planet, we have to start with our own personal healing, which mm -hmm. then grows into relationship healing, which then grows into world healing. And if we don't start sanctifying our relationship with ourself as sacred and realizing that relation cannot, relationship cannot exist without nature to yeah. support us, then we have nothing. 
and we won't have time to deal with relationship growth because we'll too busy be too busy dealing with all the crisis that we're creating by unconsciously participating in the very strategies that medicate us from having to do the real work, which is why you had that realization with the uh, video gaming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And loving, loving is easy, but uh, being, being loved is really the hard part. And I, you know, we see a lot of, you know, stop smiling at me like that. <laughs> we uh. see a lot of the, you know, these love relationship therapies, um, courses, uh, books, workshops. But one thing is missing, which you taught me, was you, how can you love without loving yourself? You can't. And there's nothing that's teaching anyone how to love themselves. It's just how to be a better couple, how to communicate better, yeah. how to connect better, be more intimate and make time. And, you know, love language is not of these things. It doesn't teach us how to love ourselves. Yeah. And if we're not, if we're over here thinking that we're not worthy of the love that that person is capable of giving, you'll never ask for it. You'll never say that you need it. And it's just going to be this like empty space of non-relatedness and non-connectedness because you can't love yourself. And then you're going to build resentment because, oh, he didn't give me that. And he didn't do that for me. Well, you didn't fucking ask. You didn't say you needed it. And guess why? Because you didn't feel worthy of it. Yes, that is a a problem. Fortunately, it's not one that I've ever had. Um, I I was just born with a uh, a spirit of um, I don't know how to describe it, but through all the violence in my upbringing and through all the people telling me I'd never amount to anything, my even even as a, my earliest memories, I was like, "Are you kidding me? I don't believe any of that." I'm here to do something. I, I just knew inside of myself I was here to do something. And I uh, I never let those people get me down. What I did do was just have the attitude, I'll, sh- I'll prove you wrong, mm-hmm. you know. And, and so it served me. But uh, a lot of people aren't that fortunate. I think, you know, I'm, I've had a lot of lifetimes on planet Earth to kind of develop some of the awareness that helped me do what I came here to do. But... Um, if you don't really love yourself, then you actually can never see anybody else. You can only see your own fear mm-hmm. because your lack. Yeah, and the paradox is the more those people love you, the further it takes you away from actually doing the work of loving yourself and you become codependent. And when, when that person doesn't love you one day, it's an earth shattering experience for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was a there was a moment when in the beginning of our relationship and coaching and you coaching us, I remember, you know, there was a moment where it's like, okay, Sarah needs to just back off of everything and you do all, I do all the stuff. And then so. It was great. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> and uh, I just remember going, oh, you're not feeling, you're not feeling loved. Okay. You're not going to feel loved for a little while longer. Don't worry. And reminding me that I had a lot of energy versus Sarah was not doing very hot. And so I was like, okay. And then just having to trust that she was taking care of herself almost to the point where I'm walking into the room. Are you taking care of yourself? Are you doing, are you doing your tarot? He was like supervising. Are you painting right now? Are you loving on yourself? No, Uh, that looks like QuickBooks. That's not. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Cause like, you know, through, through 
coaching and through your courses, you, you understand like what it looks like when someone doesn't follow through. And, and I remember that was one of the scariest parts going, okay, I'm going to put myself second because I need to put myself herself first because I need to do the things I haven't been, I haven't been responsible in a very long time. So I need to focus on the relationship and the we, so that's number one. And then I'll be number two, make sure she gets all those things done the kids need help. I, I'll I'll do what the kids. The kids need driving somewhere. I'll do the driving. The, we need to cook. I'll do the cooking. We need to fix something. I'll fix something. We need to you know whatever it was, I did it. And then, and then in the through how everything unfolded, I was just so grateful that she actually did take yeah. care of herself. I became a sloth and, and a glutton. I'm just like throwing grapes in my mouth, watching him do the homework with the kids, and just you know. Ah, stretching. But I can see how that'd be very (laughs) scary for someone that's in a relationship that only one person's wanting to participate in and hoping the other one catches up. Yeah. I think that was like, you you were like that. That was my fear. Yeah, you were like that first. You were like, I hope he catches up. And then I was... And then we switched roles and then you got to relax. And then so there's, there's that other dynamic where I don't think people realize that sometimes one person gets to relax and the other person has got to do the work to support that person and the dynamic will switch okay now i'm running low okay now you do your job and then i'll relax and then there's this ebb, and eventually there's this ebb and flow like mm-hmm. the pendulum eventually comes to a still point and that's harmony <laughs> harmony mm-hmm. and that's in a sense that's where we're at now but there were so many times where i was down on myself and sarah would just carry the family and then Sarah, you relax. I'm gonna work and put things together. Like when we moved here, like I found the house, did all the things, sold our old house, pretty much helped packed, moved, packed, did mo- all the financials, moved, moved here, mm-hmm. and then you put everything away, which is amazing because our house would be look terrible if I put everything away. Yes, I have to do everything, <laughs> <laughs> and then supervised the building of the gym, and then pretty much planned our wedding. He did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he planned the whole wedding. It's t- it is like Paul. It is to the point where I'm like I might be like a little lazy. Well, you know what? I, I've <laughs> told you as soon as I saw you, you're the healthiest I've ever seen you. You know, so this goes to show that you know, for us to be healthy in relationships, we have to support each other. You know, it's uh, as you know, me and Angie and Penny work extremely hard too. And we each have unique roles and we each do things that the other can't really do. Like, mm-hmm. you know, Angie's a phenomenal teacher. And for me, that's a great gift because I am so tired of talking about the things I've been talking about for so long yeah. that to have somebody passionate about it that's very good at it. She's really good. Is a great relief for me. Yeah. And Penny is, is you know, sort of the the axle that we all turn around because she holds the whole thing together. And I'm the sort of the you know, what's a good name for it? You know, I'm the, you know, Penny calls me a thought leader. I'm a person that can come up with novel ideas Mm -hmm. and concepts that show how seemingly disconnected things actually work together. Mm -hmm. But you have to have a certain amount of brain power to be able to see those connections and then explain them in ways that make people wake up. 
Yeah. You go, oh, wow, that really does connect to that. You know, it's not some offshoot subspecialty. You know, your endocrinology is your psychology and it is your diet and is your workout program. So quit running to doctors taking pills to lower cortisol when you actually need to pay attention to the way you're managing yourself in your mind to start with. You're so, a thought provoker. Yeah, you know, <laughs> so the, the point being is, you know, I, I do my work and the girls do their work. But it's there's times when we're all tired, but there's also times when we're all celebrating. And, and just like you guys, we go through our hard days and having, you know, two little kids. And it's, but we, we do, we do the things that we need to do to support each other and stay together because, uh, you know, I, I, I have no desire to be with anybody else, really. I, you could dance all the most beautiful naked women in the world in front of me and they could do anything they wanted to entice me. And I would, you know, my, now when I was 36, that might've really been a problem because mm -hmm. I still had, you know, far more masculine silverback gorilla in me than was probably healthy. But, um, at 59, I'm like, I, I, I believe me, I've seen through the whole show right i've seen it inside and out and i'm like there's nothing i love more than just the peace of knowing that we're all on the same mission we all have the same vision we all have the same values and we're all doing our best to live in a way that if emulated by others would make the world a better place for not only for people but for all the beings of nature and so for me that's the most important because ultimately we can't take anything with us when we die but what we've become Mm -hmm. nothing else leaves. This is why Jesus says in the Bible, uh, a rich man can no sooner get to heaven than a camel can get through the eye of a needle, meaning money doesn't have any weight in, in the eyes of the divine as a metaphor, right? Mm -hmm. It's only really how much have you learned to love and do you realize what God is and who God is? <laughs> there are the people all around you mm -hmm. and it's the world and it's everything around you. There's no God out there. You know, that's one of the biggest misunderstandings of religion. It's like, if you want to find God, just, you know, look no further than your frustrated wife or your exhausted husband or your scared child. And there it is. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think that, uh, you know, everything that we're talking about is just the real work of not only relationship, but of growing up spiritually to realize what, what the function of religion and spirituality really is. A lot of people live these separate lives. They're really godly when they go to church or to some temple, but then Monday to Friday, they're just an ordinary lost, confused individual that's not really practicing spirituality, which is why I like, you know, and I practice the same concept. My meditation extends itself through the day. In fact, when I fall asleep, I'm still meditating, you know, and, and so, you know, some of the most simple principles like love thy enemy as thyself, do unto others as you would have do in them do unto you. These things are very simple. I think when people start throwing all the other fodder in, and you know, as I say, the Bible's about 997 pages too long. If it just said some of the key things like do unto others, uh, repeated them over and over again, and 
and stuck to a few key principles that if any one of those was applied, we would have a spiritual revolution on our hands, we'd be good. So I think that ultimately, uh, who cares what you're saying or singing in church if it's not making it into your bedroom or into your living room or into your children's lives? And, you know, when you look at all the the rates of violence in in uh, fa- religious families is is very high, and um, you know the the we all know about the Catholic Church and all their sex scandals and all that. So uh, you know, I think that's the difference between religion and spirituality. Spirituality is really people that I that I that I see that call themselves spiritual use each moment of the day as a growth opportunity and a celebration opportunity. But a lot of the people that I encounter that are religious people in the common sense of the word, um, they only go for repentance, but they leave the job Monday to Friday and put the masks back on as opposed to seeing each opportunity as a, a, a practice of spiritual life. Well, I see that too in clients and, and, you know, just people we know that do medicine journeys mm-hmm. and, and ayahuasca, very similar. Like they want to see the answers. They want to see all of the, you know, the blind spots and all of the, you know, experience all of that. But then the weekend's over and it's treated like a Monday to fam- Friday. We're back into the grind, you know, mm-hmm. you familiar with Tinder is Who? well, Tinder. Tinder, no. It's an app that shows up like with girls and you just swipe left and right. And uh, you're like, oh, I like this one. I don't like that one. I like this one. I don't like that one. And it's like, it's kind of that kind of concept where it's like, oh, here's what you need to work on. No, let's do another one. No, let's do another yeah, one. I don't yeah. like what I got. Ooh, okay. I can, I could do that. I can, I can stop drinking coffee, I think. Oh, yeah. I messed that up. Okay. Let's do another one. And then you just continue to go on journeys, but not really integrate the lesson or no, yeah, stick yeah. to the relationship. I mean, each journey is its own relationship to mm-hmm. integrate. And I mean, we spoke on it a little earlier. I don't know how many times that we've, you know, cause Sarah and I usually participate with that by ourselves and, yeah. um, with, with the exclusion of everyone. And, yeah. Never really in a group. Nope. Yeah. And, um, and there's a, a month will go by. Two months will go by and all of a sudden something will just hit like a brick and it's through like the same repetition over and over again. And I don't know why I'm doing those things over and over again or I'm just following a request and I go, oh, that was okay. And then I start following the breadcrumbs back and life's never the same. And what ends up being so beautiful is when we keep exploring each other and growing, we just meet a new person every time. Mm -hmm. So it never gets old because six years ago, Sarah was a different human. and. A year later, she was a different person. I like, meet, and then especially six months ago, six months, four months, when you got all those memories back. Yeah, six months. She's ago. a new person again, so I'm getting to know her all over again, and it's that's what I'm committed to. And goofy, goofy Sarah. Yeah, has arrived. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good. Well, Sarah's looking a lot healthier. Yeah. So let's let's uh, look at some of these other deep questions I have for you here, Can't just wait. to make it juicy and intense. Well, it's been a, uh, an amazing discussion. I, I, what I love about the uh, time we've had here in this podcast together is it's really put on the table what I think pretty much everybody that's ever been in a relationship is going through at some level of their development, all hoping to get to the sweet spot that you've discussed right at the end, which is now we're in harmony, right? And um, 
I I love the harmony that I enjoy with Angie and Penny and, and the kids and Paul Jr. has grown up tremendously uh, since him and Katie, his girlfriend, coming together because she had three boys from her previous marriage, and uh, and he and and they're about she's she's pregnant, and so I'm going to be a grandpa uh, in January. Grandpa right Paul, on. yeah, congratulations, Paul. Yeah, so it's quite exciting, and so it's been fun for me because once he got together with her and had three kids to take care of his orientation toward the world changed and he really started to understand who his dad was and who is why his father is the way he is and works as hard as he does and you know doesn't have time to make excuses about oh i just want to go surfing or whatever the hell it was right it's like okay now the fire is on baby Mm -hmm. if you want to be a man this is what it is get on it so having made this journey together and I, 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 my intuition is that 99% of the people listening are going to find themselves in this dialogue at some point. They're going, oh, there's me, or a woman's going to say, yes, my man's just like that, or, or, you know, whatever. They're, mm-hmm. they're going to find themselves in there because this is, you know, archetypally the human condition at yeah. every level. But one of the things, because I've known you guys for quite a while and I've, trained both of you you know most of your training came through me which is quite unusual Mm -hmm. um alex you did level four with me um i haven't been teaching most of those classes for probably 10 years now because i uh one i have a hard time teaching those classes because i don't do well with a structured format so i sort of use each (laughs) yeah (laughs) i i you know how I teach, and for a lot of people that they they can't handle it because they're too um, left brained and they don't get it. But um, and after teaching, you know, these things thousands of times, I just felt like I was a broken record and needed to focus on things that were really what I should be doing, leading an institute, which is developing the next frontier. But the point I'm driving at is, I know in my own life, anytime I grow personally through a personal crisis or a relationship crisis i learn something more about life that ultimately makes me a better therapist a better coach um more capable as a healer so i'd like to know how has this transition and growth you've made in your individual selves and in your relationship how do you see that show up in your work as check professionals as therapists as people that are Mm -hmm. healing forces in in other people's lives well the easiest thing i can share is the magnitude of what we went through Mm -hmm. in the last six years has made it really easy to share with people because it's it's real for us every single day and there's no joke about it how intense it was and when people come to us with like these, their 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 magnitude of problems, but it's like a grain of sand in my hand. Yeah, it's like really. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's your problem. We can handle that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they're like, I'm having money issues, or I don't know what I want to do. Well, you know, you can't. I hear from you all the time. You can't hear. You can't teach things from what you have. You can't see from what you can't. You haven't healed from yourself, and so. I don't have to guess on a lot of things. I don't have to guess who my woman is. I don't have to guess where my where my 
where I'm supposed to be. I don't guess what I'm supposed to do for a living and what am I offering is to the world. So it's easy for me to just be the mirror and play that for them in, in a, such a clear, like someone just took Windex and just cleaned the glass and mm-hmm. it's fresh. And so when people come, I go, well, what do you want to do? And it made, makes things so much easier. And I think since we started coaching with you, after that dream analysis mm-hmm. that we had that one time, I went back and in two months' time, we made more money than we did in the first three years of us trying to make our business work. And it just hasn't stopped since. And it keeps going. And it, since we didn't, since I didn't focus on all the other things that didn't matter anymore, it made room for things that did matter. Yay. Mm-hmm. And including like fights and being right and, you know, needing to prove a point. And focusing on menial tasks, you know, like the video games. And I just found that there was so much detail I was missing. And luckily, Sarah showed me all the details because she's very detail-oriented. And um, it was, it just blew everything up out of proportion. Like, to the point where I was like, oh, what are we going to do with this? Mm-hmm. And so, you saw what we did with it. We moved. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Now, we're, now we're expanding again. Mm-hmm. but the the people that came to us were more challenging and it met us where we're at mentally and emotionally, spiritually and physically. And I mean, the clients we have, I feel like if we handed them off to someone, they would be, they wouldn't know what to do with them. They're like, how are you helping these people? Mm-hmm. And, but we didn't learn anything in a book differently. Right. It was yeah. just through the experience of life and integrating that into our being and going, okay, well, that didn't work, that didn't work, that worked really well. And then collecting all of this information as we went experience. to be able to to be able to share that with people in a, in a without even words, just resonating with that frequency. People have just naturally gravitated towards us just like they will to whoever's listening, who's ever mm-hmm. experiencing this and needs to go through their own shift. And then they'll notice their themselves how much more they attract without saying anything. You know, a wise mm-hmm. man once said nothing. And at the end of the day, that's really what I'm learning. I've, as when I was younger, having no kids, trying to make a business work, I had 16 hours in a day. And now I only work four, maybe five. And the rest is spent, you know, taking care of the house, playing with the kids, making sure the yard doesn't completely die on me. And, and you know other tasks like driving the kids places and i only work so little of a time compared to what people have in a day especially without kids mm-hmm. that i'm like how am i making more money and doing less yeah and cuz you're doing what you're supposed yeah. to be doing <laughs> exactly <laughs> right on every level on every level yeah. <laughs> and it's funny cuz when you were 26 25 and you were living that you know you had so much time you thought your life was hard yeah mm-hmm. i was and, like i don't have yeah. time but yeah, I I think also it's it's like um there's a lot of gurus out there and there's a lot of, you know, authors, teachers, speakers, influencers who, you know, can teach you how to manage your money and manage your business and manage your relationships and manage your health. But what's made it so made such an impact for the both of us and I know for me personally is actually it's like studying the problem on all angles every dimension but also having the problem and getting through it yeah it's like studying cancer and then getting cancer so taking what you've learned and then healing yourself through it it has equipped us to 
actually guide people through on a very personal, very intimate um, level that is nothing but successful for them. Whether it's a couple or a, just an individual, I think for me, the, the biggest thing was being able to look at myself in the mirror because I was so afraid of being taken advantage of and being abandoned or, you know, all these things that I was looking out for all the wrong things in Alex and not the, not what's wrong in my head mm-hmm. and how I wasn't connected with my heart and being able to like get out of the victim mode of look how crazy my life is and look at all the things that I have to do and all of these things to then really taking the relationship as a as a springboard into the deep end of my own psyche and and we were both so committed to doing that that I think that really taught us how to love ourselves because we knew the more and we felt it and we experienced it like the more we loved ourselves the better our relationship got and we we've seen that reflected in just with clients we work with it's like somebody comes in i'm like yep been there i've done that and and here's here are the things that have worked and here are the things that haven't but based on what you you know you go through everything you know the forms too but it's every person has their own story and when you're when you've gone through your story you are going to be able to help other people who are living the same stories Mm-hmm. And it, so it, you can go to, to school for years and study the dynamics and the interplaying principles of relationships and um, all and not the know anything. <laughs> right. And not know anything. And you can have, you know, PhDs stacked on top of each other and, and be using that to, to tell the masses, I'm an expert and I can help you in your relationship, but maybe you've never even been in a relationship or, you know, you've been in many failed relationships. And yeah. so it's um, it, our commitment to um, healing ourselves and improving ourselves through the the polarity of, of that we experience in this relationship has created a life that is very harmonious to our purpose. And we have a shared purpose, but we also have our own individual. And so having a dream that he supports and him having a dream that I support and then having a co-created dream together, it just creates such a harmony. The children are not couldn't be happier and, and couldn't be more secure and safe and and stable they know that we love them and before when things were rocky between us they they were worried does alex love me does my mom even care Mm -hmm. but when that is shown showing up in the relationship they know and they're, they're completely safe and they're very grounded and um i mean doesn't mean they don't have conflict but at least they see us model how we deal with conflict growing up is hard (laughs) yeah there's a beautiful thing i mean they got to watch us even though it was traumatic they got to watch us go through tons of conflict and fight for days and keep time away from each other to the point where now it's what five minutes ten minutes we're like we'll get into a get into a uh something and then we resolve it within a couple of minutes and okay and that's it and we're very intentional too. Something we learned before is like, okay, oh, if the kids are around, we need to get out of here. 
and we're just going to drop it. But now it's almost another piece for accountability and responsibility. If they're watching, oh, here's an opportunity to show them how you can resolve a conflict and come together for that conflict. And so it's almost as if like, oh, you know, like as soon as you turn the camera on, you're fixing yourself and yeah. whatever, but we're being in our best self. It's, it's, it's our chance. Like if the kids are around, it's like the camera's on, it's time to be in your highest self. And uh, it, that it's, it, it really shows up around us. And whereas before we were living in a mold infested house and kids were sick and I was sick. And once we got through that and understand that it really starts with learning to love yourself and, and reaching that, really having the focus and, and the eye on your dream, when you do that, you match the frequencies of that, everything unfolds for you. And there's no question of whether or not to trust the universe, like all those grand quotes say, because the universe is just guiding you along the frequencies at which you are emitting. And now look here, we have a, a, a huge sanctuary, lots of land, our kids can roam around and abundance of animals and our, our own um, facility where we can teach mm-hmm. and it, it's I, I don't know how to say this I'm going to try to ramble maybe you guys can pick it up but what the way we what we think about and you spark something in me is w- the way we behave is how the kids will th- think they deserve to be treated when they're older and so yeah. and if I continue to behave like I did when I was 26, they're going to think it's okay for all the men or women, depending on their sexual orientation, in their lives to treat them the way I treat her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. yourself. And myself. Yeah. yeah and, her, mm-hmm. and themselves. And so yeah. that's one of my biggest motivations. And then mm-hmm. um, to continue that in myself and with her. And I don't, I just want to make sure that the way my environment responds to me is my report card. Yes. And you know, Jung says all children are tasked with the unfinished business of their parents' lives. So if we manage ourselves as individuals and bring coherence and love to the relationship, the kids learn I is the basis of we you know, your we can't be any healthier than your I is. It's just impossible. And then we can parent in ways that the unfinished business of the parents' lives is really negligible compared to what it is if we just keep on playing the victim and drugging ourselves and expecting God to save us and things like that. You know, so then what happens is the children are set up so that they begin their exploration into adulthood from a much more um, awakened state. Mm -hmm. And so they then pioneer and become the people that evolve society instead of recapitulating all the pain and and silliness that could have been addressed through effective coaching, effective self-development, and just being honest with ourselves, right? Just That's really, to me, being honest with yourself is the um, it's sort of the bedrock of any kind of personal evolution or spiritual evolution because you can't, until you're really honest with yourself, you don't know who is in pain or who's confused or who's scared or who you're trying to help or what you want. How do you, how do you know what you want in life if you're not honest with yourself about other things? You, you, 
you can't really get clear on that until you figure yourself out. Yeah. You know, that's so we need kids that can get past the common denominator of parental childishness in order to evolve the world to where it needs to be now because there's so much challenge in the world that if kids come into it without that underpinning, I don't think they have a chance of dealing with the inevitabilities of what, unfortunately, the generation they were the offspring of have created for them. Yeah, I read a very great um, piece in a book, I think it was by David Dida, where he was talking about parents, um, especially women, we tend to have this guilt and shame if we're not spending enough time with our children and doing enough for our children and we're always judging ourselves. And then fathers who are working a lot, as if Alex lately has, has expressed, he feels bad. He's not there with the kids as much as he was before. But what he explained was you can spend so much time with kids and it doesn't matter. You can screw them up royally by focusing on how much time you spend with children. But if you are in a clear and grounded, rooted um, state and you're present with them, just a small amount of quality time will make a greater impact on your children than trying to do all these things and spend all this time and give them all these things all the time. Yes. If like, you're coming from yeah. a place of like, I'm not, I'm not serving my purpose and right. I'm off balance. Which is the classic uh, visual of the parent that's with their children, but they're on their phone all the time. So there's really nobody there. Uh, you know, we, we ran into that with one of the first babysitters, nannies we hired she would be on her phone all the time. Mm. She'd take him for a walk and it would piss Mana off. And yeah. from the very time Mana could walk, you know, we, we, Angie and I, while she was pregnant um, and with Zoe, we, we would sing the four doctor songs a lot because we really wanted that vibration in him. And so we were, we'd gotten into the habit of going out and singing, starting with Dr. Happy and just sort of working through the songs. Then we'd go to, you know, lullabies and nursery rhymes or whatever. But anytime we, Angie would start talking to me or I would start talking to her about work or anything else, he would get mad. Mm -hmm. He would just say, no, no. <laughs> and, you know, he didn't have a lot of words, but we knew exactly what it was because yeah. our emotion would change and our attention went from him to the issues that we were talking about. But he knew we weren't there with him. And so we've had to tell various nannies, don't be on the phone around our kids. If yeah. you're going to be here and I'm paying you, don't, if it's an emergency, great, get your phone out. But until then, you, you're being paid to focus on these children. And it's very hard to find people that can actually do that these days because they, they don't know what to do with presence. It's not, they're, they're yeah. so used to living in a state of complete distraction that when you ask someone to be present with someone, they have never learned how to do that. So they, all, they don't know what to do with this space of connection. Yeah, it's and I, I noticed that when I have a very good day of balance and harmony of all of my values, eating right, drinking enough water, you know, learning something, challenging myself, getting my work done, and, and getting some exercise and being in nature. I need all those things Me in a too. day. And it's hard to think like when you're a mother of three, you run your own practice and you got to, like, how are you going to fit all that in? But you can. And when I do, I have the most connected, present interactions and experiences with my children. 
-hmm. And that I can tell is impacting them so much. And it's the same in the relationship. We have the most like smooth communication and connection when we are balanced. We take care of ourselves. Yeah, I think that's a a given. Now your new sanctuary, uh, you're about to get married. Um, What are your dreams together for the kids and for your business at your new location here? Like where... What's the what's the new frontier for you? What that brought you here, and what do you what do you um, what do you visualize going on here in the next five years? So I'm already trying to implement a biodynamic garden. Good. Uh, I want some farm animals. Yeah. Uh, a plant a fruit forest behind me. Yeah, good. And then eventually, when when these batteries get a little more efficient, because we have solar up, is to get enough batteries so that way we can be self sustained. I mean, we already have a well, and um, so that's for the property, kind of what I've s- seen. Maybe, I don't know how we could expand this building, but I'm sure in the future we can oh, figure you know. out. A- <laughs> it's going, it's you again. Can, you can do anything with money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. But again, it's going through all of the things before we then teach others to do it. So having this place, uh, our whole mi- our whole mind, uh, everything wraps around community and having a place for community to learn something or even other practitioners or organizations that want to come in here. And if they align with us and the Czech Institute, then we want to have this place for them to, to utilize and help people connect with nature and, and help people really grow, um, you know, in love and, and beca- use their relationship um, with each other as a path to enlightenment and, and using you know, our facility here to learn about their bodies and, and how they can take care of themselves. And um, so it's really community and family and love. Yeah, one of my favorite memories is when uh, I've always wanted a place that I can take people and disconnect them from the concrete jungle. Yeah. And yeah. one of my favorite memories was a client came in a little early and I was like, hey, I'm, I'm not done. And without even asking anything, he just kind of, because I, I, it was still in the house. I didn't have the gym built. So I was walking out, looking out the window and he didn't see me. And he would look around, look around. And then he sat down in a chair and then he just sat there and I saw him yeah, just take a breath. And I was like, cool. And then I just kept working because I was worried. I'm like, what if he doesn't find anything to do? And he's, he's being getting patient. something. But then he just sat down and started looking at, I started watching the birds and I was like, this is great. This is exactly what we built this for is to get people out of the jungle of the concrete and the mess and their TVs and just be able to sit. And we made paths, walk around, do what you want. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of our, our dream to get people here to ground them and then have the presence and have the us be grounded. So when they come, they're they're like, what's different about this place? Yeah, I love it. And I'm just going to interject something before I, I get to the next question. You mentioned the word enlightenment, Sarah. That's a very um, <laughs> commonly traded word that nobody really seems to understand. Mm-hmm. What does it mean when you talk about working on your own enlightenment or working, helping others in that path? What does that word well, mean? To me, enlightenment is knowing what knowing that i don't know knowing what you don't know or that you don't know knowing that i don't know mm-hmm. and and so it's it's like i've reached a level of of awareness now to the to the point where i know that i don't know mm-hmm. <laughs> so much rather than thinking well i know so much now and mm-hmm. that's it that's it i have all the answers so 
to me is is enlightenment is forever. Mm-hmm. You're always chasing it. You're never going to get it. <laughs> and I mean, unless you're literally going to sit and, and be a monk for the rest of your life, but y- you're always going to be chasing that truth. And then the truth is going to change. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to be discerning between your old truth and your next new truth. So it's always a constant journey. Mm-hmm. And that's why I like looking towards uh, that whole journey of, en- of enlightenment in a relationship because it's a commitment. It's mm-hmm. a commitment to each other, but also a commitment to always keep growing and um, always having the humility to know that you don't know. And um, there's always more to know, but that's, it. you know, collecting, as you taught me, collecting data and information and facts, that's not knowing. No. Yeah. You know, enlightenment is a horizon and you can't ever reach the horizon. It's, it's you know, it's like nobody's ever found a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow because every time you get to it, your perspective on what was the rainbow changes and it's moving over there now because you're in a different place. And, you know, it's like when you watch the sunset, you see the horizon. You can't see past the curvature of the earth. So no matter how far you go in any direction, the horizon is unachievable. And the more you know, the deeper your questions get and the bigger your questions get. Yeah. And so paradoxically, um, you know, you kind of come to the realization that the concept of knowing God requires something completely the opposite of what you used to think. It requires that you're brave enough to not know anything and just be completely present. And then you have these experiences that you can't even explain anyhow, because as soon as you try to explain them, you run the risk of people actually believing you and then thinking they're enlightened. (laughs) (laughs) So it's, you know, I think God built the perfect Mexican finger trap because the harder you pull toward enlightenment, the more trapped you get in (laughs) non-enlightenment. And I guess the further you get towards the answer, the further you get removed from who you are. So at that point, you yourself sitting here doesn't matter because you're like, like, um, Rumi says you're that drop back in the ocean. Yep. And so by that point, you're great. You know everything. But you you as the ego that was on this planet or wherever you were, you don't exist anymore. No. So <laughs> there, <laughs> again, the finger trap is real. Thinking of all this, if maybe you can kind of encapsulate this into a sort of a, a short, sweet statement, what does the world need from your perspective so what does the world need right now, knowing what's going on in the world, is the first part of the question. And then what is your offering as a contribution to whatever it is that the world needs? I feel the world needs to find out what their values, their dream, and what they're willing to participate with, even in relationship. Mm-hmm. Because if we went through this journey and find out we're not right for each other, we would have gone great. Um, we would have found out because I mean we would we were sitting at a restaurant f- what four months and knowing each other, and I'm asking, are you willing to have kids? More kids? I know you have two, and it's four months. And normally, I tell my my uh, I, I tell I tell my clients uh, something when they're dating. I, I say practice scaring your date away. They're like, what? Practice scaring them away with the truth. At least you find out early if they can handle it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and so find out why you're there, find out what you're willing to participate in, find out what your values are, stick to make sure you're the healthiest person and grounded 
And then so you can show up to the relationship and then hopefully a partner that will match that and you continue continuously grow with each other. And I feel like the world needs that because mm-hmm. if there's so many, you know, mismatched pieces, it's yeah. like enzymes trying to match with the wrong set of lock and key. It just yeah. doesn't work. And so if we if we get the people on the right track, I feel and just by being ourselves, I feel like that will help the world tremendously because playing the playing the mirror and the fool seems to really spark a lot of things in people and and um allow them to be themselves because you know we i'm sure just like you we don't whatever you do as long as it's with purpose and doesn't hurt anyone and be yourself and enjoy yourself and it's okay that Mm -hmm. you fart and you laugh and cry and and whatever whatever Mm -hmm. the thing that you're afraid of to do is that's it fear and I think, go ahead. Yeah, I think what the world needs is to face the fears. Like, what what stories are are constantly being regurgitated that are being narrated that drive your fears? Like, if you're in a relationship, I don't want to fart in front of him. What are you scared of? What are you worried? Oh, he's going to think I'm gross. Like, uh, just a small little tiny fear like that, and or I don't want to go anywhere without a mask on because I'm scared of dying. Mm-hmm. So from the minuscule to like the grand, great, big fears that we're all dealing with on a daily basis, they're all being, you know, driven by these narrations that are constantly going in our unconscious. And I think that's what the world needs is to face their fears and ask where did they come from and why are they continuing to play? What you know, purpose are they serving you? Because when we're walking around just afraid of everything, we're not really living. And so whatever you're afraid of is what you need to go head on into. It's yeah. uh, like I think something you had shared with me too before was you know, the treasure you seek. Um, the, yeah, the, the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you need the most. That's Joseph Campbell. Yeah, and, if, and what's the one too about the, the snake guarding the treasure? Kiss the snake. Um, there was something along those lines, like, you know, if you are afraid to take your treasure because there's this big, scary snake around it, well, then kiss the snake, yeah. right? You know, mm-hmm. disarm it. Mm-hmm. So we just need to disarm our fears and and figure out what it is, as Alex said just a moment ago, is, is what is our dream and how are we not being honest with ourselves and, and in our relationships and with others and... I think really, truly, by just being committed to each other and our own individual growth and the growth of this relationship, that serves anyone who walks in here. Is because we don't pretend that we're perfect and we don't pretend that you know we have all the answers and we are the enlightened ones. We just show up and we're there to support and, and say, I've been there and I, I know what you're going through and... and I, I can feel what you're going through and giving somebody that really true experience of like they get me and they understand me and they see me mm. and it's still okay even though they see me. I mean, and even check back with us in a, in two weeks to a year and see if that same conflict even exists anymore. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. like with the most struggles, you'll see the same conflict over and over again for years. Being yeah. seen was a big one of mine, yeah. right? Mm, yes. Yeah. yeah. You know, I when I look at that issue of what does the world need and what are we offering it, what I see is that 
people are so um, conflicted in what their picture of the world is. So the analogy I would give is if each of our lives were given a puzzle called the world, and it's our job to put it together so that at some point we actually know where we're at and why we're here, it's right now it feels like there's so many conflicting viewpoints about what the world is and what it's for. Some think it's just something you conquer, use up, you're going to die anyhow. Some think the devil's doing all this. Some think, oh, you know, we've just got to take Jesus and repent and we can leave the world and screw it. Whoever's left there, that's their problem. And then there's the Buddhist concept. Well, Mm -hmm. once you reach nirvana, screw it. It's all an illusion anyhow, or the concept of Maya, if misunderstood. But I think from as a therapist with 36 years of clinical experience, working with people from all over the world and traveling all over the world a lot, what I see is that we now have everything from a cultural divide right down to a a business divide, like Google's idea of what the world is, is very different than mine. Mm -hmm. So is Facebook's. So is Donald Trump's. So is a lot of people's, right? So what's happening is they're spending all their time, energy, and money building a puzzle that's not congruent with Mother Nature and with the foundation principles that makes the world a world for all of us. So I sense what we need to do is right now we're going through this crisis, like we have this big divide, is COVID real? Right. Or is it manufactured? Well, anybody that does even a little bit of research can figure that out. But most people are much more happy just to be told what to do, not think, conform, have their money go away, have their life get all screwed up, and actually believe this all is because of a little virus. Mm-hmm. It's like, are you kidding me? So there's a person whose picture or puzzle of the world is actually very, very different I think we're at a time where we all have to lay our puzzles on the board and say, okay, what piece of your puzzle has to be in my puzzle? Well, you know what? My puzzle has an ocean in it. Did you notice the ocean covers two-thirds of the world's surface? Have you forgot about that? So let's just get the first two-thirds of the puzzle. Everyone's got oceans in their puzzle, if you're here, right? Okay, then we need to start taking care of the oceans because nothing else can be here unless they're healthy. We all agree in that. We got to have fish. We got to have reefs. We have to have sea life. We can't use the ocean as a toilet and a chemical dump. And oh, by the way, now that you know that all the oceans have shores, which is where you live, let's put those pieces together. And you see these brown areas? That's where your food comes from. And your food's made of the other creatures out there. And they're not able to live without the creatures that they walk on. So all these nature reserves that people people are keep turning into drilling and fracking and cutting the rainforest down you're actually changing the puzzle right and the puzzle that you're changing actually is the puzzle that has to be in place for the rest of us to live while you just put a few billion dollars in your pocket and call it a great day meanwhile the rest of the planet is dying so i think we have to unify our puzzle and say okay the dream board has to have these components in place because without these components, no one gets to live a dream, but we all are headed for a nightmare. 
COVID's just a sample of the kinds of nightmares that can be projected into your minds to distract you from the real nightmares. Because the trillions of dollars being made off the illusion being projected only go into the hands of a very few and come with the destruction of the other parts of the puzzle board that we need, right? Mm -hmm. Like Bill Gates filling the skies full of aluminum to control the sun instead of saying, why don't we just actually come to the table and say, guess what? we got to stop burning fossil fuels. We need companies to get sustainable and clean and earth-friendly or we're going to destroy the planet. But no, like one of the things that blew my mind, I mean, this is like how smart people can be so smart they're stupid. One of the solutions Mm -hmm. that I saw proposed for the dying bee population was a company that does robotics wanted to sell the government on billions of automated bee robots. I saw that. Okay, so we're just going to make machines, sell it to the taxpayers, and little little miniature bee robots are going to run around and do the work of bees. The first thing that that smacks of is like, okay, you've just made an assumption that you can make a robot that does what a bee does, and you've made an assumption that a bee is just a little vehicle with wings that flies around like an airplane, And you've ignored the fact that it is a living being with a unique type of consciousness that interfaces with a myriad of other living beings, some of which it eats, some of which it supports, and many of which the functions of a bee we have no idea of. No robot's even going to come close to that. Not to mention the fact that it all have to be controlled by some kind of a worldwide 5G system, which is another part of the problem. Another problem. Right? So when I look at this, I'm like, there's somebody who's whose vision of the world is so radically different than mine or in my opinion that it needs to be because it's not actually looking at the issue of why the bees are gone Mm -hmm. it's just like oh we can fix that we'll make robots yeah but do you realize what that signals is the end of the sex organs of the planet and we're killing the planet we're ruining the dream board right so i feel that we need to all get together and have a worldwide video meeting so everyone can show up because right now interestingly there's seven billion people on the planet i listen i was listening to a book on i'm listening to that's published in 2020 that said there are 6.8 billion cell phones in the world right now there's oh. 6.8 billion cell phone subscribers and there's only 7 billion people in the world, which means we could all have a worldwide video conference and say, okay, how many of you realize you need to drink clean water to be healthy? Okay, good. We'll do this dem- democratically. You're, it's going to be a unan- almost a unanimous vote because you have to be dumber than dumb not to know that. How many of you realize we need real food, right? So the point is, okay, now we need to orient ourselves towards keeping these things in place. Because I don't care if you want to rob banks. I don't care if you want to murder people. I don't care if you want to be the next saint or the next savior. If we don't get this stuff in play, then we're going to go into the biggest crisis that's happened since the last mass extinction. Mm -hmm. How easy would it be? instead of creating billions of robotic bees is to just let the bees live. And going back to what we tell our clients most often, 
they're so yang, just just relax. And what everyone's trying to do is they see a problem and they throw money at the problem. They're doing more. They're creating, digging more to create a problem that they just created. So they're digging, oh, I have a hole here. So they dig another hole, fill that hole, and then another hole comes up. And then they just keep digging holes. Time and, deficits, and it's like, financial deficits. It shows up like in our clients too. Yeah. It's do less and then just let nature be nature. And we just got to get grounded, like you were saying, in our our in, in just nature and stop throwing money at stuff that doesn't need money thrown at it. You, money never replaces love. Nature needs our love and our respect. And nothing else is going to fix this problem. Here's my second to the final question. If you both knew you were going to die tomorrow, what would be your parting message for the world on this podcast? Mm, tomorrow. Do you want to go? You want me to go? Yeah. Uh, well, uh, well, I would say if I were to die tomorrow, my last message to the world is be honest with yourself. Like brutally honest with yourself. Be as just as judgmental as you are in finding all of the things wrong with other people Turn that in and and just be honest with yourself and how can you be a better person because everyone is so different and their truths are valid, right? Someone's truth is not going to be your truth, but theirs is valid too. And you may not like it. It may be against your, your values and your beliefs, but if you want yours to be respected, you have to respect everybody's. And so mm-hmm. just be honest with yourself and focus on what you want to leave the world with. Just as you had said earlier, Paul, is you can't take all this shit with you when you die. Mm-hmm. All you can take is what you have become. So focus on that and how you can serve others um, in a better way and, and to grow and become better and learn to love and just focus on that. Focus yeah. on you. Yes, there's nothing more important than that, really. I'd probably say breathe. that's a prerequisite well and that too right it goes along with it you got to do that (laughs) yeah and do less and if you're doing less then do a little bit more and then find a nice balance and then enjoy life because it's a party it's a wild ride and i'm excited to do it again yeah right on Mm -hmm. well what a great journey and um thanks for sharing you guys um you know not a lot of people want to talk about their dirty laundry but uh you know, it's not so bad to talk about your dirty laundry if you keep washing it, right? Mm-hmm. And so we we had, you know, we got to talk about what went into the washing machine and how it came out. And we also all know collectively, me, you, the three of us here, and a lot of people listening, that we need the laundry machines around because no matter how clean you think you are, we all know priests get dirty. We know saints get dirty sages get dirty we know geniuses get dirty Mm -hmm. and so um you know it's a cycle of growth i think as long as we're in what i call a generational cycle so if you look at a spiral if you get into addictive problems or or you get into denial or you get into um, apathy then you're in a non-generational spiral. Gravity just drives you down into a slow death or a rapid death. But if each of our challenges gives us an opportunity to heal, to grow, and then we make another step up the spiral, then we're always in a generational spiral. And if we 
hold the vision of turning our challenges into opportunities and using them as catalysts for growth instead of running from them, drugging them, or trying to pawn them off or use lawyers to cover them up, um, which rich people are very good at doing, mm -hmm. um, then, then we grow together and we realize together. And if we get enough people awakened to the beauty of life and to the beauty of, of the planet, then I think that we're all going to be excited about um, making the garden beautiful and cleaning it up and making space for each other and, and living and letting live, right? Yeah. I mean, if we like to do plant medicines, that doesn't mean other people need to do them. And if they want to go to church on Saturday and we think it's Sunday, then fine, then let them fill the temples on Saturdays. In fact, maybe we can let everybody fill the temples every day of the week. You can have the Monday worshipers, the Tuesday worshipers, the Wednesdays, the Thursdays, the Fridays, the Saturdays, and the Sundays. But we'll just know that there's a lot more worshiping going on because we've made room for everybody. And then maybe everybody will wake up and realize every day is the practice of worship and of spiritual growth and of self-realization and that there is no special day. And, uh, you know, nobody even knows what Jesus's birthday was, right? So if we just extend that to every day and say, let's take the words of that man and live them instead of just talking about them or writing them on bombs, <laughs> then yeah. we'll, we'll yeah. be all good. Um, what offerings would you guys like to share? And then where can people go to find more about what you're up to here? Well, um, I have my course, through the check-in Yes, what's the title of it again? Holistic Health and Performance for Women. Right, Holistic Health um, and Performance for Women. It's a great course, by the way. Yeah, so there there will be a discount for that. Um, so just check the show notes. And then also we'll have a discount for our um, our couples uh, love mentorship. So it's not a program. It's not a course. It's not a workshop. It's not coaching. Um, it's really individual mentorship, whether you're in relationship or not. And it, it's called Embodiment of We. And um, it's a really great spinoff on learning how to love yourself and, and communing together into the we space. So it's really the focus of the mentorship, and it's a spinoff of your I, we, all. It's mm -hmm. all filled in, in there. And you can find us at uh, primalfusionhealth.com. There you go, primalfusionhealth.com. Come visit Alex and Sarah at their beautiful five-acre sanctuary. My kids are just digging it out here, playing with their kids, hopping on the trampoline and looking at all the deer. They have lots of beautiful deer in the yard. And uh, what else do you have? You've got coyotes. you got we foxes. Foxes. Foxes, coyotes, Lizards, raccoons. Lizards, snakes, scorpions. Lots of snakes. Lots of birds. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's and it's yeah it, you know my favorite part of the day is when the sun really passes the the horizon and anytime we have clients who come in and they stay for you know three to four days for intensives i always tell them go outside because right when that sun hits right above the horizon all of the animals just sing together almost like a closing orchestra yeah. for the day and it is it's it it is every day every day Rain, snow, shine. Crickets, well, it cicadas, snow coyotes howl. The everybody coyote, howl, just keeps owls, and the yeah. wind blows too, and so the trees will dance. Yeah. Just everybody's singing together, and it's it's a wonderful way to close the day and just be grateful for the day. And it's my favorite part. 
You see, that's the part that Darwin left out of his survival of the fittest. <laughs> Everyone's in competition, killing, and only the strong survive, right? No. Except they party at the sunrise and the sunset, yeah. right? And and there's no competition. It's all a worship of life. And, and so, so I think beautiful. that's fantastic. Well, hey, I'm very grateful for, A, for your trust in me as a therapist and a coach because you've spent a lot of time with me and um we've worked through a lot of fire together and mm -hmm. and uh i get to have the joy of seeing you guys touch so many people's lives and you work with famous athletes and movie stars and you know you're not just working with like the next door neighbors you're you're in there with the big boys and girls that are really living it so um it's a great thing and i'm in your brand new gym which alex did a lot of work on himself and uh I love the art. And by the way, these guys are both amazing artists. My God. Uh, it's just, I sat in their house for the first time and, and in Sarah's office and I was just revisiting all these pieces of art that you'd sent me over the years from yeah. a lot of them were done in our therapy together as mm -hmm. part of our therapy. And so seeing them live as opposed to coming across my computer screen was really quite potent. Things jump out at you. Yeah. yeah. And Alex, you do some amazing art for sure. Thank you. And so it's lovely because um, our lives are paralleling. We've recently, six months ago, got our new humble abode and kids having the experiences that yours are having and lots of animals and just so great to be back in touch with nature and know that we can bring people here to share with them what our lives have taught us, you know, and, and to give them a chance to experience the joy and the, and develop a toolkit so they have the tools to deal with confrontation and challenge and know that just another day on planet Earth, it's not going to go away. And it's just good to know that you have your tools. It's like, you know, we all typically carry, carry a, a jack and a jack handle and a lug wrench to get the wheel off because it's not like we get up every day going, oh my God, I'm going to have a flat tire today. We just know that we need to have that thing in the trunk for the day that we do have a flat tire. Mm -hmm. And so when you realize that flat tires are part of life and having a toolkit is part of life, then right. that's really what we're teaching through the Czech Institute and what you guys have obviously mastered is having your tools and knowing when to use the right tool for the right job. And I think ultimately at the end of the day, uh, when we realize life is a series of undulations of, of highs and lows, freedom and bondage and, uh, you know, money and abundance and money and scarcity, food and abundance, food and scarcity, love and abundance, love that seems mm -hmm. like it's in scarcity. Well, when you realize that those are all invitations or catalysts for growth. You say, okay, what's the best tool or combination of tools for the job? And and let's come out the other side of this a little wiser and a little more evolved and life just gets better and better. And you get to the point where you're not afraid of the challenges because you realize it's just part of life. So yeah. thanks for sharing life with me. Yeah. Anytime. And Thank your, you. And your great food. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Anytime. And, and, your, and your great smokes. I've I've gotten the um the joy of of experiencing Penny's cooking. So yeah, yes. I, <laughs> I love to pay that back anytime. Yeah. yeah. And Alex is a great cook. <laughs> yes, he is. He made dinner last night. It was lovely. And Angie's a great cook too, so I'm double lucky. So You are uh, very lucky, Paul. Yeah. You have two of like one of the most inspiring women I have known in my life. Yeah. Like they're up there. 
Yeah. And you you get them (laughs) both. I I just I don't I can't imagine how many men are out there like completely off of them their chairs falling off just how jealous they because I mean because the man does the work. Amazing. Well, (laughs) well, yeah. There's some truth to that. So he deserves all the happiness he gets. Two extremely amazing. I can't even say enough words about those two women. Well. (laughs) <laughs> just Alex, imagine if you had two Sarahs in your life <laughs> and you'd realize that the acceleration in your spiritual growth is something that only a man like me or men like me can handle because having two wives is like two mirrors that are very bright and will give you plenty of opportunities to learn and grow. So, uh, yeah, I do love them and I wouldn't live any other way. And it's so good for the kids. It's amazing, you know, to have two highly intelligent, highly loving mothers is just the ultimate. I know. I just, I, I told Alex, like, I don't, you know, I need a wife. Yeah. I need a wife. It's not for you. It's for me. Yeah. But Penny is so just very to the point and she's a, a go getter and she gets things done. And I can see how she would, help you in terms of like snap out of it paul <laughs> you know like snap out of it and angie is such a powerful force that i can see how she would completely unhinge you and untie everything inside your mind <laughs> yes. and challenge you so yeah. i yeah angie if anybody Waska. is is close closer to enlightenment i would i think based on the women in your life it would be you. Oh <laughs> uh, well, and not just in thought, in practice. Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah. No, it's a it's a practice, and and um, I I I feel very blessed. I really do. I I feel I feel like all the blood, sweat, and tears has been totally worth it. You know, I feel like I've given birth to a lot of things in my life. Maybe not a child. Like I don't. I can't say I can really understand that. I've obviously a father and I've watched children come out of the birth canal and I've been there through the pains of it. So I, I'm pretty connected to it, but I've given birth to a lot of, um, a lot of the gifts that the universe passed through me from everything I teach in the Institute to, you know, all the things that I do, but it doesn't matter how tapped in you are, how genius you are. You still have to have people to work with you to do it. It's just, it's, I can't do it alone. Yeah. And so those two women are, and the staff of the Institute and the podcast staff are probably some of the most important people in my life because without them, I can't express myself on a scale that actually can make a difference in the world. Mm -hmm. I would just, you'd be like a genius that nobody understands, right? Or nobody knows. And, right. And so, you know, the paradox is that my genius is actually that I'm just really very practical and down to earth right it's i'm not into fancy dancy and you chose two amazing women yeah (laughs) that was quite genius (laughs) yeah i think we chose each other yeah it's not like i went shopping or anything (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know that i think i think we have soul contracts not only with each other but with the world and i know my children do as well so that's um I think all of our children do. I think the children of all Czech professionals are here as healing forces in the world. And that's why they chose these people as parents. So what a great conversation. I'm excited to having the joy of 
uh, giving you the opportunity to look each other in the eyes and say, I do, mm-hmm. and doing it <clears throat> legally, because I can do that now. <laughs> You're going to get a lot of emails now, Paul. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> I want you to marry me. Uh, and uh, congratulations on this beautiful spot, and uh, I hope it brings lots of people here for healing, loving transformation. Yeah. Thank you, Paul. And it, this will air after our wedding, but what we'll do is we'll share our shadow vows. Yes. And you okay. can post them. Okay. Yeah. You can share them. Yes. So that that something every- I encourage them to do. <laughs> don't it's- just don't just tell a story about how love and beauty it's going to be because we know that doesn't work. So share with your partner exactly what's going to happen if you don't get your needs met and based on your commitments to each other so they know exactly what kind of storm they're going to unleash by not being truthful. <laughs> I had to tell my family to bring some popcorn and just be prepared because these are not your in sickness and in health vows. These are, <laughs> this is what's wrong with me and I acknowledge it and it's not so much that it's wrong. It's actually quite perfect, but I know how it affects you and our family. And I'm going to keep doing this shit uh, until I can work on it enough to, you know, improve this. And this is what I need from you so I can work on my shit. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's going to be a um, very um, entertaining. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I, I flew mean- all this way. Like I told you when I got here. There's not many people that can get me on an airplane, but you two earned it. So thank you. Hey, lots thank of love. You. Hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. Thank you again to our sponsors. Thank you for each of you that buys anything from the sponsors. Their values are totally in line with mine. And um, by doing that, you're supporting the podcast, which is supporting me and uh, supporting all of us and helping the world heal and and be a better place for all living beings not just for each other but for all living beings so lots of love got lots more great podcasts on the way if you love it share it if you don't it's our secret (laughs) (laughs) thank you for listening to living 4d with paul check and today's guests sarah gustafson and alex ripchinski you can find sarah and alex on instagram at primal underscore fusion and at women who raise hell or at Health Performance Engineer. They are also on Facebook at Primal Fusion Health, and their website is primalfusionhealth.com. Sarah and Alex are offering Paul's listeners a very generous discount of their Primal Fusion Relationship Mentorship, the embodiment of we. To save $350, go to primalfusionhealth.com forward slash services forward slash activate we and use the code loving 4d if you're interested in taking sarah's online course with the czech institute holistic health and performance for women go to bit.ly forward slash hhp women that's b-i-t dot l-y forward slash capital h capital h capital p capital w o m e n follow paul on instagram and twitter at living 4d podcast or on his youtube podcast channel youtube.com forward slash living 4d with paul check you can watch more on paul's blog at paulchecksblog.com and the czech institute's new streaming media site chakiva.com 